The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. Extended <laughs> oh, applause tonight. Great. Thank you. Um, I am your host, Roddy Cat, and you can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can also find me on uh, CB Caps on Instagram. And as it has happened every week, the sound effect is being provided by none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Yes, sir. And we are here with another fine episode of the Cumber Chronicles, which you can find on the Coast of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find this here podcast on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be uh, Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coast of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. You can also find some a whole lot of other stuff on SoundCloud, but we're not going to get into that. Um, we do record, I guess I will say this up front since I don't I really do this, that uh, okay, record every Thursday um, night, like 9, 9.30ish p.m. on the Click Nation's uh, YouTube channel. So if you're around, you can come check us out. If you, you know. If you're audio averse and likes video, hey, there you go. It's there for you. If you're vice versa, then we understand because the audio comes out like a day or two later on the Coastal Podcast Network page and other places. And make right. sure to click subscribe and give us five star reviews. Just wanted to add that. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, do that if you feel inclined to. All right, folks. Um, we got a good one tonight. Not that we don't, you know, any other time. But uh, we're going to get into the topic in a little bit. But first, as I move some things around, we're going to get into the news. All right. And as we do every week about this time, uh, especially when we're doing event type books, we start off with the cinematic news. First off. DC Universe's Harley Quinn will soon stream on HBO Max. And I believe that was a report that came out that has been recently confirmed with some other news that's coming up next. So Doom Patrol is not going to be the only DC Universe, uh, or seemingly will not be the only DC Universe show 
uh, on HBO Max. Uh, it says uh, seasons one and two, which are already out on DC Universe, are going to be on there later this summer. So if you got HBO Max and been waiting to check that out, go for it. And apparently Harley Quinn also airs on TBS, which I did not know. I didn't know that either. Yeah. So, and it looks like, yes, yeah, season two of Doom Patrol debuted on, on HBO Max June 25th. Our girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway. But yeah, there you go. Next up. Right. So, in related news, DC Universe subscribers are going to have the chance to experience HBO Max at a discounted price. A new email sent out to DC Universe subscribers offers a subscription to HBO Max at the price of $4.99 a month which is a discount from the regular price of a regular subscription to HBO Max of $14.99. The offer is only available for annual DC Universe subscribers. If DC Universe members cancel their subscription, they will have to pay the regular subscription price. I will be interested when this, um, uh, when the reverse is possible, where uh, uh, uh a subscription to DC Universe is offered at a discount rate because you're already an HBO or HBO Max subscriber. Hmm. I kind of wonder if that's actually going to happen. Like, you would think that's the way it should go. But, like, as it says in the article, it's 15 bucks for HBO Max and it's 60 bucks for DC Universe yearly. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I, so, as it just so happens... I tried to take advantage of this and well, I did try, I did actually take advantage, but it's because I got that email and it just so happened that my HBO max, um, monthly had just, just, um, just ended. And for some strange reason, you know, I was like, okay, well, this is a good time. And anyway, because of this happening, little did I know mm-hmm. this was, it was gonna, things kind of fell into place like it was. So I went ahead and did this. And I got the email and it gives you a code and you put in the code and, you know, you got to make. So here's the thing, there's a couple of things to look out for. If you already have an HBO Max, um, if you already had an HBO Max subscription, it won't fly. Mm-hmm. So you, it, at least from what, sometimes they make these, they obfuscate some of the stuff and it's kind of frustrating, but um, cause I tried to go into the account that I already had and it was like, well, there's no way to put in the code that you have to put into, to get this price. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll make a new one. <laughs> so I made a new one, did the thing. And then I got the email and it says, Hey, uh, you got this price or you basically got a seven day free trial. And then the, the, the price kicks in for, you know, the four ninety nine for the next six months, which I'm sitting here like, well, wait a minute that doesn't seem right if I'm yearly DC universe thing. And then they said it was going to kick back to 1499 after that. Now that may or may not change or may, you know, that may be the case because I do know my DC universe subscription ends, um, in December. Got it. Uh, so that's something to kind of, you know, it it may or may not be a problem, but that's something to look out for, but, but everything else still is straight. So I went ahead and, you know, set it up and it's still kind of the way it is. Um, and they damn sure don't make it easy to, to cancel those subscriptions. And I really hate that if you were trying to, cause I was trying to cancel the other, the other, um, the other account, but it's, it wasn't working. I mean, it wasn't, you know, they were, it wasn't updating anyway, so it doesn't matter. But anyway, that's out there and it's a, I mean, what paying $65 for both of those services is not terrible, but it, 
But if it did go the other way around and you were saying playing like 20 for both of them, that would be extra better. Right. You know. So, but who knows if they'll actually do that or not. But then they would have to change uh, DC Universe's subscription because there's, there's no way in the world that could go in reverse like that, you know? Like DC Universe is 60, but HBO Max is 14, and then, the, 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 yeah, it's weird. Anyway, we'll, we'll move on. Um, Wonder Woman 1984's Golden Armor designer d- reveals one of its abilities. And every time I see this picture, I I am reminded of a uh, Roadrunner cartoon where Wiley Coyote, you know, has the bat wings, basically has the bat suit on, and he's just like spreading them out, you know. Right. No one can see me actually trying to spread them out like like that happened, but and apparently, um, according to this article, it says it's like the bat suit or anything, all small parts. So an armadillo like um. Our, Articulation means that the person can move and twist and turn and it will return to its previous position. Having said that, it was not pleasant to wear and no armor of any kind is pleasant to wear. Is what we're saying. I'm assuming this. Yeah. So there you go. There's that. Next up. All right. So uh, in the adjacent to the Me Too movement, apparently, um, with the announcement that HBO Max would be bringing some version of Zack Snyder's take on Justice League to the streaming service, actors involved with the production have become increasingly frank about the movie's troubled path to box office and critical disappointment. But in recent days, Ray Fisher has made those discussions even franker. Is that a real way to put it? (laughs) Um, Even more frank? I, yeah, I would think even more frank, personally, but, you know, I don't, I don't. I know, you. it's a copy and paste. I know, it's not you. Yeah. Uh, Fisher played Victor Stone slash Cyborg in the, in the movie and is still set to get his own standalone DC Comics movie at some point, allegedly. And earlier this week drew eyes with a tweet decrying Joss Whedon's handling of Justice League sharing a clip from the film San Diego Comic-Con Presence in 2017 in which Fisher described Whedon as a great guy and that Zack Snyder picked a good person to come clean and clean up and finish up for him, Fisher said he was forcefully retracting everything he'd said about the director. Okay. I mean, yeah, so apparently he fostered a gross, abusive environment on set. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's not the first time. I'm not, I'm not dismissing. You know, yeah. I'm not dismissing. I'm like, okay. Yeah, it's not the first time that Josh Whedon has has had some issues about him or Zack Snyder uh, for not necessarily things on set, but the way they handle certain things, certain topics and certain characters. Right. So not surprised, but yeah. And this is kind of weird. Well, not weird, but it's like, okay, yeah, you got it. You kind of feel like while you're talking about the movies, while it's still out, you know, they're coming out, you kind of have to talk about it in a certain way. Cause that's one of that looks bad. But then afterwards it's kind of like, well, you know, Depending on the situation, depending on your situation with that, you know, with the movie going forward after that, you, know, you pretty much have license to, to tell it, right? So I don't know. Anyway, yeah, that's the thing. Um, it's it's real sad because like, and a lot of people on Twitter, a lot of people been on Twitter been saying, I was like, yeah, basically like what I just said, like yeah, Whedon's not been great at times on things, nor Zack Snyder. So it is a thing. Anywho. Uh, J.K. Simmons has already filmed another appearance as Spider-Man's J. Jonah Jameson. 
So J.K. Simmons has revealed his cameo at the end, uh, has revealed that his cameo at the end of Spider-Man Far From Home as J.J. Uh, J.J. was isn't the last we'll see of the character. He was doing an interview with Sirius XM's The Just Keiko Show. I don't know who that is, whatever. Simmons revealed that he has already filmed an additional cameo as the iconic Spider-Man nemesis and that another appearance is in the works. Um... And he basically quotes and said, yeah, he'll be back as Jameson. And there's a future for J. J. Jonah Jameson as our several-year hiatus. Uh, and just kind of goes on there about it. So, cool. Next up. All right, next up. Uh, so the Russo brothers had to uh, give Tom Holland the crash course in some older movies because he had not yet seen Star Wars when he was cast to play Peter Parker. So, and, and <laughs> that obviously played a role in... Uh, uh, you know, the, you know uh, the, the the Star Wars movies play a role actually in Peter Parker's character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe portrayal. So, um, you know, since it turns out that Holland himself uh, hadn't watched the movies, in an interview about their pil- Pizza Film School series for Fox, um, directors Joe and Anthony Russo described their reaction when Tom Holland revealed that he had not yet seen The Empire Strikes Back. They were, in fact, stunned, Joe Russo said. Uh, quote, we adore Tom, but I'll tell you, getting to know Tom, Tom is a young man. He is a very young man. Yeah. That's why... I, Empire, you were, sorry? No, I was to say, that's why, one, it makes that, that whole scene in Civil War that much more amusing. Of course. Um, and two, it was like, well, yeah. So, and I know people get like that. It was like, wait, you haven't seen this movie, that movie? And because Lord knows I do it. But also, I was like, well, he's young. Like, most of the majority of those movies, you know, are older than him. Right. So, and a lot of people don't get to see them. Like, not, you know, not saying one way or the other for it, but it's like, it's not outside of the realm of possibilities, even with something as big as Star Wars film or as culturally big as, pop culturally big as Star Wars films that people have not seen for one reason or another. But it's always funny when it when <laughs> when that happens, right? So the Russos go on to say that uh, Empire Strikes Back is twice his age, mm-hmm. and they've since gotten him to invest some of his time watching some older films. Hence, the Pizza Film School. Holland needed to go to Pizza Film School, so that's pretty amusing. <laughs> pizza Film School, I you know if it, if if wasn't if Fox wasn't attached to that, I'm like I I love that name. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, I may or may not actually watch that. I don't know. Next up. Let's see. Sony's still questioning whether a silver and black movie could work without Spider-Man uh, director Gina Prince Blythewood reveals. So when I first saw this article on Twitter, I legit saw, and maybe that was either a typo or maybe that was just my old eyes, I could have sworn the title said Sony still questioning questioning whether Silver and Black movie could work without director Gina Prince uh, Bythewood. I did mm. not see that part of Spider-Man part when I pulled this. So I was like, wait, wait, what happened? What happened? What happened? But uh, as it turns out, they were talking to the director. Um, it says again. Yeah, while while promoting her new project, The Old Guard, a next uh, uh, a Netflix movie about immortal beings who protect the Earth, uh, 
Sounds like the Eternals. Wait, hold on. Uh, Games Radar uh, asked Price Bythewood about the future of the Silver and Black movie during a roundtable discussion. And she says, quote, uh, my honest answer is I don't know. I really love those characters. I really love having them together. Uh, I thought what we came up with was a really good, really organic way to have the two together. The world is changing so much because of the success of the Spider-Man films. Uh, there's a question. Can you really have these films with Spider-Man not in them? Guess what? We've been asking that question since Venom. So, um, should he have at least some, and I apologize if y'all hear the background noise, but my number has no sense. Um, that's always the question. I've taken two years off of that for Olgard. So once that gets out into the world, I hope it's a success. And then I'll certainly go back and start talking to, with them again. So it sounds like they really haven't really done much about that movie outside of the fact that it's supposed to be a thing. So, yeah, there you go. Next. All right. So according to Into the Spider-Verse producer Christopher Miller, the upcoming sequel will be quite the looker. In a tweet shared on mon- on Wednesday, God, nobody knows what date is anymore. You got I gotta apologize. The filmmaker said groundbreaking art techniques used to develop into the Spider Verse Two will make the original movie like look like it's quaint. Uh, for reference, the first Into the Spider Verse's art design and animation drew high praise upon release, and the movie still looks incredible two years later. Um, okay, so yeah, that hopefully it's. Uh, you know, it's going to be even better when it comes out, what, another year and a half from now? Yeah, I guess so. You know, I'm like, Spider-Verse looks good and still looks good and continues with it. If they just continue to do that same style, another move in that same style, I wouldn't be mad. But if, but also, you know, hey, technology moves on. So if they, it's, it's almost like he's saying, it's going to blow your mind. Right, it's going to break the internet a la Joe Quesada. Yeah. So, so hey, what are, you know, as long as it's not a step backwards, I'm 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 for it. Next up, uh, Ryan Reynolds crashes X Men cast reunion, and Hugh Jackman's ha- not happy about it. Apparently, <laughs> so, we were talking about this right before the show started. Yeah, Ladies we were. And so, I'll, I'll let you take the uh, go on with the story, and we can talk about it when you're done. So it um so according to this article, it has definitely been uh twenty years since the original X Men movie uh, has been in the theaters. The cast of the original uh, X Men movie uh, has had gotten together for a charity ba- um uh, for a charity stream, and there's been a lot of reunion streams lately. So this is not the the first one. Uh, but yeah, a lot, of, a lot of the character kind of get, basically got together. So it was uh, Halle Berry, um, Sir Patrick Stewart, Famke Jansen, uh, Hugh Jackman, James McAvoy, Sophie Turner. McAvoy came later, but okay, sure. <laughs> and Sophie Turner, not to think of it, came later. Yeah. So, but basically, it was an X Men cast party. So they, they, I guess, are, are bridging up the two uh, trilogies. Well, one one trilogy and a, and a trilogy and a half, whatever. But regardless. Um, uh, according to his article, knock, knock, the troublemaking Reynolds says as he enters the online party, which was a Zoom thing, of course, uh, much to Hugh Jackman Wolverine's annoyance. And he says, whoa, so many stars. And it looks like, like Ian McKellen, sorry, Ian McKellen bounced out, uh, immediately. (laughs) 
and then uh, other people were like, you know, I got to go do a thing uh, and then got off the call, leaving only Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman. And apparently Hugh Jackman supposedly looked uh, visibly annoyed by the fact that he came in. <laughs> I haven't seen the video myself, so I don't know. But apparently it says here, the clip ends with Reynolds and Jackman. Uh, who have had a funny feud on feud online for some time, uh, even making its way into the Deadpool movies, the only ones left zooming, which of course makes the whole thing an X Men Origins uh, reunion and uh, another final guest appears. Whatever that means. So I guess somebody else might have popped up. I don't know. So yeah, that was the thing that happened. Now this I, I said before the show started, like this article says something about the reunion was staged and like that is poor wording it was like okay I'm pre- it wasn't they, they made it sound like no no this was something that was just put on like oh it was a whole act as opposed to just being something for you know that was a yeah, thing maybe arranged is is the word that they're looking for right, right? exactly but staged i'm like really um but yeah it says um it was raised to it was to raise money for Global Gold Unite. Excuse me, Global Gold Unite for Our Future, which celebrates the real world heroes fighting the pandemic. So, oh yeah, and then it goes into the other uh, the onion reunions that have happened recently, like the first Bueller one and the Back to the Future one, and of course the one the Lord of the Rings one that we've already talked about. I was the best one. It's the only one I really watched, but that was so good. The Lord of the Rings. One, I still haven't watched it yet. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. I, I felt I I actually felt for Liv Tyler. It felt like she was really and when you watch it, I'm not really spoiling anything. Mm. It felt like she was so happy to see everybody that like when everybody was logging off because their time was up, mm. like she's like genuinely sad that it was ending. Oh. And you know she's not the best actress in the world, so you know it's genuine. <laughs> I don't even mean to give her the backhanded compliment. I'm just saying I could actually genuinely tell that she was honestly very sad that it was over, right. that their time together was over. And that was, it It felt very genuine and heartfelt. Right. Which I guess, yeah, which makes sense. Like if you, you know, if you haven't seen that whole group or a group of those folks in a, in a while, then, you know, that makes sense. Well, you know, and, and especially if you had a good chemistry with them and good time with them, but. Makes sense. Right. I was gonna say she doesn't do that much acting anymore. So true. it's probably it's probably a case of, you know, like really fond memories from a lot, you know, from like a you know, they filmed all three of those movies back to back, so that's like a big chunk of each actor's life. Right, exactly. Especially the main cast yeah, especially the main cast who are in each movie. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. But uh, but anyway, moving go, Yeah, but you folks go go check those out for yourselves on uh you click the links to the articles which uh, in the article which um has all of that. Next up. Excuse Absolutely. Me. Next up. Uh a fan film entitled Play for Keeps takes a darker look at the X-Men universe particularly where uh Gambit and Rogue are concerned. The film opens with the Raging Cajun pulling off a heist before he's intercepted by Ilyana Rasputin aka Magic. Ilyana takes Gambit to a poker game hosted what is she doing? Hosted by arms dealer Nikki Lanero, Eric Roberts, who he robbed years ago. To force Gambit into playing, Lanero has kidnapped a rogue and hooked her up to a machine that sends painful shocks coursing through her body if she uses her uses his powers. Okay. Yeah. I have not watched this um 
film. But yeah, anyway. But I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna check it out, and I'm because and I'm checking it out mainly because okay, you know, if somebody's doing Gambit, you got to see if they're gonna do the the voice, or or or, or more important, what the accent is going to be, like. Uh-huh. Yeah, is it going to be that bad, or is it actually going to be you know, is it actually going to be uh, uh you know, just a a relatively authentic you know, uh, accent for for what it's supposed to be. But we'll see. I don't know. I, I, I'll let you know. Next up. Bust out a celebratory oh, Domino's pizza. Lord. <laughs> Pretend y'all didn't hear that. Auto-playing videos, folks. I love me some pizza. And no, this ain't it, folks. Especially oh. not Domino's. Anyway, New Mutants, new, te- excuse me, new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies reportedly in the works with uh, Seth Rogen producing. They're lean, they're green, they're heading back to the big screen, according to this article. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are getting another movie, the seventh for the franchise. Uh, the, new mu- the new movie will be animated, much like 2007's TMNT, uh, and has some interesting names attached. The news comes from The Wrap, um, which notes Seth Rogen's production company, uh, Point Grey Pictures, is teaming up with Nickelodeon and Paramount Pictures for the new take on the franchise. The film will also was going to, will be produced by Rogan, uh, Evan Goldberg, and James Weaver, and uh, there's, there's some other people attached. We not don't need to go through all of that. So yeah, sounds like there's another. You know, I think the rap is a rumor site. That's why I said reportedly. I, I put in reportedly, but it's probably going to happen. The, the the turtles are big enough to keep going. So next up. All right, so insert superlatives and profanity here. You don't have to tell me twice. The Boys, Amazon Prime's adaptation of the darkly satirical superhero comic of the same name, is returning for its second season with a three-episode premiere on September 4th, 2020. Amazon shared recently in a press release. Following that premiere, new episodes will air every Friday, ending on October 9th, making for an eight-episode season. The second season is going to reportedly find the boys on the lamb fleeing from the soups and trying to fight back against their big enemy, Vought. Uh, the boys stars an incredible ensemble class cast, including Jack Quaid as Huey, Karen Fukuhara as Kamiko, Carl Urban, a.k.a. Um, oh, what's his name in uh, – the character's name in um, – Lord of the Rings. I was on the tip of my tongue. We were just talking about it. Um, well, Carl Urban is Butcher. Boromir? And the fantastic... What's that? Boromir? No, not Boromir. It was... Um, uh, dang it. I'm going to have to check that out. I'm, mm. I'm so embarrassed now that I don't know it. Um, it's fine. He's a chameleon. And the fantastic uh, Aya Cash as a new addition, Stormfront, a new soup with an undoubtedly untrustworthy agenda. Okay. Uh, one, have you seen any of this? What, the boys? Yeah. yeah. I saw the first season. It's good. Hmm. I've still not checked it out. And every time, I, it seemed like every other time, well, with the exception of probably the last few years, every other time I used to see uh, Carl Urban, I was like, Oh wait, like he usually always shows up in something. It's like, oh wait, that's actually him because he always looked for, for for a lot of people. He's always looked different in each role up until like the last couple of years. 
Oh, he looked like uh, what you call it, McCoy, or well, at least his version of McCoy. Oh yeah, he's yeah, he totally took that role. Yeah, but like, but like, well, up until then, it's like uh, the, the other stuff you see him in is like, okay, wait, that's him. Because like, I, I, I totally forgot he was in Lord of the Rings, and like some of his other earlier stuff was like, oh right, that that is him in there. He just looks so different. Anyway, I had to check, maybe check out the boys one of these days. Aylmer. Aylmer. Okay, there we go. I still. I had to look it up. I'm sorry. I lost a couple of points of uh, genre and nerd cred just now. I'm gonna have to, you know. I haven't read the books in a long time. I, it's it's not on my list of things to read. I've got way too much other stuff to read. But I think much like we did uh, earlier uh, during um, pandemic season, I'm gonna have to uh, punch in uh, Lord of the Rings again at some point and just watch it. You know, like I don't think I ever watched. See, that's the thing, because Aylmer wasn't in the first movie, so that's why his name didn't pop up right away. Okay, right. You know, he's in Two Towers, so I'm going to have to put in Two Towers next and watch that. Right, because, yeah, because we we had just talked about it when we were talking about that uh, reunion thing, and we both ended up watching, uh, well, no, not not about a reunion thing, about the the thing that came up, I think, during the reunion thing with Sean Bean and and that, his, you know, his meme-worthy... Oh, yeah. Yeah, the script reading, right? Exactly, yeah. reading the, uh, the what you call it. One does not simply <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and we both ended up watching uh, Fellowship. Fellowship. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I told because I told you then I was like, yeah, I might actually go back and watch all the. Well, not, I knew I was going to definitely watch that, but I, I had attempted to watch the rest, the the other two. As a matter of fact, the other right. four, but. I'm like, ah, that didn't happen. I wasn't going to happen. <laughs> oh, you know what? Now, now I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to watch Two Towers, if not, you know, partially tonight, tomorrow, before, uh, you know, what I'm waiting to watch comes out. You know, when I'm ready to watch it, we'll talk about that later. For sure, for sure. Um, and speaking of genre stuff, I just, on that last article, I just saw something, and it has nothing. It has very little to do with what we're, what we're about to talk about in a second. But, um, and then I had to reread it. But it was like, so there apparently. There's an article uh, about Val Kilmer's 14 greatest genre movie roles, and I was like, "If Real Genius is not on here, I'm right." But then I forgot it does say genre, which means right. you know a specific thing. So the 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 stuff now, you know, say what you want about Val Kilmer, he's he might be a little trash these days. I can't remember. Um, yeah, but he's also suffering, he's also suffering from his health. His health is gone. Right. South. Yeah, and, so. the, and the article mentions that, and I think that's probably why they why they did this um why they did this stuff. But, retrospective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And f- people forget that he was the voice of Kit in the, that right Knight Rider remake. And of course, you know, no huh? No kidding, I didn't know yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I remember watching like that show did not last long at all. But I'm like, okay, yeah. they oh. could have had something there. It did not. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the the stuff you'd know him from, like you know, the Top Gun, obviously, and and um, yeah, he did do that Jay and Silent Bob remake and some stuff. So, so, so I was just kind of, you know, just checking that out real quick. So we can move quickly on from that to Cobra Kai season three will be released by Netflix as opposed to YouTube. Um, says Cobra Kai will live to fight another day. The YouTube premium series that picks up 30 years after the original movie, after the, the, the movie Karate Kid, uh, has a new home for season three and any potential future installments. Uh, the new season will debut on Netflix. Additionally, the two seasons of the show will also be available from the streaming service later in 2020. Nice. Yes. Yeah. So apparently, 
this news comes after a report that Sony was looking to find the Karate Kid series a new home. Which is weird because like it's YouTube. Why would it not be there? <laughs> There's stuff well, on YouTube yeah, that probably see- I was going to say, these series cost money, though, so... Oh, yeah, true. But still, it's YouTube. And it's also Sony. But I get it. Like I said, I get it. But it's... Hmm. There's other things going on there, I think. That's... Right, but you also can't compete with the number of of subscribers that Netflix has compared to YouTube Premium. Sure. And if Netflix wanted to throw some money at it, who they're not going to argue with it. Right. Netflix throws a lot of money at a lot of stuff. Good and bad. Next up. Next up, um, in our last bit of news on the cinematic front, Deadline has learned from sources on the ground in Sydney, Australia, that Disney, Marvel's Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings is looking to restart filming later this month at Fox Studios. The Dustin Daniel Cretton-directed film is in prep now, and their Sydney source says that Marvel is taking careful steps. Uh, The movie began filming back in February. The pick is expected to kick off next summer's box office on may 7 2020 which is why i'm wearing the shang chi t-shirt tonight oh, to hold on, hold on. Let celebrate me, let me let me put you put, put you on here like uh boop. all right there we go now people can see it wearing the shang chi t-shirt tonight to celebrate uh the fact that the movie is back or is, is ready to get back into production at the end of this month so you know, be glad to have that come along. Word. Nice. That shot I said it should have been working right, but it wasn't. I don't know why it doesn't. Anyway, that's cool. Uh, well, well, I am hoping everybody involved with the production stays safe. That is the main thing. All we can do. Yeah, you know. I mean, because let's face it, the, the news about COVID is not... The COVID ain't going away like we have said anytime soon. And things are kind of starting, trying to start back up way earlier than it probably should. Um, to the most ex- the, the expected results, especially here in South Carolina, where the the um, the numbers have been rising. So yeah. Yep. Anywho, uh, we'll and, transit then. Yep. We will now. We're now getting into the comic book news. Uh, I will tell you that. Hey. This, uh, the clickbait section is there in our show notes and you should go check it out because there's some stuff in there that you might be um, interested in including one I'm hoping to bring up later when we're talking about our topic uh, but for now return to Sean Murphy's Batman White Knight with Harley Quinn spinoff this October um, so DC plans uh, a return to the universe of Sean Murphy's Batman White Knight in a new Harley Quinn spinoff series launching this October. Murphy will co-write the series with his wife, uh, Katana Collins. That's a good name. Um, with artist Mateo Scalero and colorist Dave Stewart routing out the core team. So basically, I believe it's the same team that was on that was on the, the original two uh, miniseries. Apparently, the book inadvertently appeared in a diamond print catalog, but not the solicitation sent to the press, with DC informing retailers this week of the error and their plans. Uh, and it is called uh, Batman White Knight Presents Harley Quinn Number 1. Um, and it will be solicited in August's, August's uh, DC Connect Number 3 for October. So, cool. Uh, you can see the cover right there. You know, I enjoyed. I 
you know, I know there are people who don't like um, uh, Elseworlds Batman series. I think this is the one that's actually pretty great. Like that last um, that last miniseries kind of had a, a couple of dips in it, but it was actually still pretty good. So check out check that out. Next up. Writer Jeff Johns has announced that the third volume of his and artist Gary Frank's uh, Batman Earth One Volume 3 was completed in June, and they're now waiting to hear when DC plans on releasing it. The third volume is finished, Johns told art agent David Macho in his YouTube show Dialogos de Comic Hat Tip to Leyendas del Multiverso DC. Uh, Gary finished it up a week or two ago, so it's done. So whenever DC decides to release it, um, I f- he finished the script a while ago. This was originally announced to debut in 2018. The third volume of Batman Earth One by Johns and Frank was postponed so the duo could work on the DC Universe Rebirth one-shot and the 12-issue series Doomsday Clock, which we both know and we all know in our listening uh, uh, and viewing audience took forever two actual whole years to finish up Mm -hmm. for a 12 issue series that is insane it it, it actually ended the end of the the very at the very end of last year i did lose my bet (laughs) (laughs) true but i did lose my bet that the series would would not stretch into well you know i I bet that it would stretch into 2020 and it did finish like what a week before yeah yeah it was like the at the very last if not the week you know it was actually the last week of uh, last year but when that when that happened like that's that was totally ridiculous um anywho's um batman gotham knights proves red hood and nightwing are perfect partners i guess this is a spoiler for batman gotham knights number 11 which is uh out um and i've not heard of this but there's like 11 million batman books out right at this point so not a surprise uh even though the bat family goes on missions together all the time nightwing and red hood don't usually spend a lot of time together there's reasons for that. Uh, even though both were Batman's first Robins, wait, their that's okay. That's not anyway. Their attitudes couldn't be more different. Um, unlike Batman, Grayson has a relatively happy is a relatively happy hero who's worn the Batman's cape and cow and operates in a disciplined manner. And we all know how Jason Todd is and his subsequent death and all that stuff. We don't have to go through that. But apparently this article postulates that they're good for each other for some reason, even despite being, this is basically, it feels like a buddy cop mentality going on here. You know, Red Hood's the bad cop. Nightwing's the good cop. You know, it's taking Pretty on much. cash, folk. It's taking on cash. Which Pretty- which is not a bad movie. It's not a great movie, but hey, watch Tango and Cash. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Next up. Next up, some spoilery news here. Um, how Masters of the Multiverse made, spoiler alert, the best He-Man ever. So apparently in He-Man and the Masters of the Multiverse, a plethora of He-Men enter the battlefield to save all reality from anti-He-Man, the villain corrupted by Grayskull's power and looking to spread anti-truth. I love it. This would allow him and the Dark Gods to reshape reality, but luckily, the arrival of the He-Force Legion, oh my goodness, in the nexus of all realms, oh, they're pulling from everything, mm-hmm. helps to negate this. 
However, it's the presence of the best He-Man ever in the final issue that really saves the day. What's shocking, <coughs> excuse me, what's shocking is this hero isn't even a Prince Adam by nature. He's actually, he's actually... Spoiler alert, Keldor, a.k.a. Skeletor, from Anti-Eternia. Good lord with the anti-stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he's basically the, yeah, he's he's basically the actual, he's quote-unquote the good Skeletor, and I think, and he's also the kind of the good guy of that universe with which anti-human. So I've been reading that. I think I'm, I'm fairly certain I've mentioned this. Now, granted, uh, because they have actually made... Keldor the focus of that whole series so it's not surprising that it ended up happening and I don't remember reading I'm fairly certain I didn't read the last issue but it's not surprising where that was going with with what I knew and read already but I enjoyed it so it was alright you know next up um sad news new sexual misconduct allegations surface against Scott Lodell um, speaking of Red Hood, actually, Scott Ludell announced that he was departing Red Hood and Outlaws, and almost immediately after his post, new sexual misconduct allegations surface. Coincidence? Probably not. Um, uh, see, yes, yeah, so Scott Ludell announced that he was stepping away from Red Hood and the Outlaws almost immediately after, like I said, um, he, that happened. Creators Tess Fowler and uh, Alex DeCampi have both, both shared new allegations against Lobdell on Twitter with uh, Lobdell, uh, excuse me, with Fowler, who's uh, battling cancer, apparently, uh, recalling how Lobdell was, quote-unquote, helping her get a start in comics when she was younger. Um, And you can see the tweet yourself uh, as to what she said, if you're watching the, um, if you're watching the video. And she basically says, I hope this means he leaves the, the the industry for good. So, yeah, there's, and then of course there's the other tweet from uh, Alex uh, DeCampi that is also in here. So, yeah, that, that, that okay. is, these things are still happening, folks. Um, next up. So, uh, Hellboy creator Mike Mignola issued a statement following Shauna Gore's sexual assault allegations against Scott Alley. His letter comes after he and Dark Horse Comics announced they are cutting ties with the former editor. Mignola began his statement by going back to the beginning of his working relationship with Ali, who was supposed to only edit only one of Mignola's comics. However, Mignola enjoyed working with Ali, and the two began a professional partnership that would last 25 years. Mignola stated that he was aware of Ali's drunken incidents from the beginning, but wrote them off as jokes. In 2015, he spoke to Ali about them and believed that he was getting help for his drinking problem. However, the incidents continued and Bignola did not act. The truth, of course, is that after a very long and a very productive working relationship, I did not want to believe there was anything more to these stories, he wrote. I was blind because I wanted to be blind. And that's on me and it's something I have to live with. Which is honestly, that's the thing that happens more often than people will admit to. I'm not, I mean, I mean I, that I'm, I'm not saying one way or the other about, you know, 
yeah we're not saying it's good or bad we're just yeah but we're saying that that happens way more often especially lately because there's been a lot more allegations on a lot more places and a lot and there are people that rise up that that, you know saying well he was nice to me which is not it doesn't mean that nothing's going on or or actually see things that's going on i mean there could be stuff we could see and we're blind to we don't know um or there isn't whatever the case may be but right. the case is that that's the thing that is a real thing that actually happens. It's sad that it does, though. Big, you know, but it does happen. Um, next up, there's no good transition transition away from that. So sadly, um, Rocksteady is reportedly making a Suicide Squad game. So Rocksteady, the the makers of the Arkham Asylum series, if you if you are a video if you play video games, you know them. Well, most of them, at least the core ones. There was one that wasn't made by it. There was a couple that wasn't made by Rocksteady. Regardless, uh, Batman Arkham uh, developer Rocksteady is reportedly working on the Suicide Squad game. And I'm going to report here that we're also reportedly making a Superman game, which apparently has never happened. Uh, so take all of this with a grain of salt. New domains related to Suicide Squad surfaced over the weekend as uh, some site or some user spotted. Uh, the first registered June 16 is simply Suicide Squad game. The second, more descriptive domain was registered uh, on the 17th. And I'm going to assume they were probably because you know you can look at the records of some of that stuff. Maybe they were there. Those domains were done by Rocksteady. Who knows? Because of some of that stuff, one of those at least sounds like mobile games. Um. But it also says here that domains these domains are curious, but ordinarily they wouldn't raise too much of a suspicion, especially with no clear link to Rocksteady. There we go, in their data. Um, however, Eurogamer corroborated these domains and reports that the letter may even be the final title and indeed the running theme for a new suicide game in the works at Rocksteady. We'll see if any of that holds any kind of water. Next up. Okay, so... Um... Marvel's Avengers is only a few months away. This is the video game we're referring to. And despite numerous streams and videos, it's not immediately obvious what kind of game Marvel's Avengers is. Um, There is an article on Polygon that we are referring to, and it's fairly lengthy. So, you know, there's... uh, You know, uh, it it outlines how the story starts with A-Day as the Avengers parade around San Francisco for the opening of the West Coast... Avengers HQ, but things go wrong. There are missions um, during, you know, that that the article lays out. And there are six playable Avengers at launch. uh, Black Widow, Captain America, Hulk, Iron Man, Ms. Marvel, and Thor. Um, There's lots of, you know, related things here, so you should take a look at this article if you're interested in finding out what, uh, you know, what is going to be in this upcoming game. Yeah, it's, uh, some of sometimes uh, Polygon's articles can be a, a great bit in depth for good or for ill, but they definitely they get you know they get the job done most times. But yeah, uh, like I said, check this out. And yeah, they're they're saying that this game looks to be more Destiny like. So if you if you're uh, like me, have played them some Destiny, you kind of get kind of sort of where they're going with that with some of this, especially after you read what it says. Next, and I'm up, like. All I have to say is what? <laughs> Excuse me, I burped it too. I'm like, um, what's the destiny? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
that's the that's the non gamer side of the of the show. Speaking of folks, but that's okay. When he gets that PS Five though, <laughs> and starts play, playing that Miles game, and 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 finds out that Destiny is free to play, and and you know, well, so free ish to play anyway. But yeah, yeah, that's the thing. You will hear more about that game in the coming months. Rest assured. Uh, next up, Lego has a new line of buildable pop art posters featuring Iron Man, Darth Vader, and the Beatles. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Lego's next line of sets offer builders multiple ways to recreate pop culture icons, including Darth Maul and Marilyn Monroe. Lego Art uh, is a lineup of portrait creations designed for adult builders. Each set features small bead-sized pieces and a canvas that you can use to to piece together a pop art poster. You know, uh, those of us of a certain vintage would know something similar to this called Light Bright. Minus the light. Because that's pretty much what this looks like. Except for it's like full-size posters or whatever. But regardless, uh, there are four sets currently in the Lego art lineup. Uh, Andy Warhol's Marilyn Monroe, portraits of the members of the Beatles, a set featuring various versions of Iron Man's suit, and a Star Wars set based on popular villains. They look good. I mean, they, uh, some of this looks like um, kind of like ASCII art. Looks good. I probably would never do it because that means I have to put the stuff together, and that's a whole lot of pieces. Sounds like so. That's the I, thing. Go for it. What's up? No, no, I'm just laughing. I'm just like, yeah, it's like uh, you got to work to create your your wall art, right? Right. And people already do crazy stuff with Lego, taking a whole lot of time. So that's even more ridiculous. Probably less scaled, but still. Uh, next up. All right, last week, Hasbro teased a crossover event that was 35 years in the making. Great Uh, Scott! This week, the figure was revealed with Transformers and Back to the Future coming together for the film's 35th anniversary. This will give fans their very own Autobot DeLorean Gigawatt. It's a great name. Gigawatt is a perfect name for such an iconic combination of these two franchises. Of course. The Transformer is going to be packed with amazing detail and even some Easter eggs from accessories like the electricity conducting pole from Back to the Future Part 1 and the garage fuel compactor that we see in Back to the Future Part 2. The the DeLorean's doors will be able to be opened and closed as well. When collectors transform him into his robot mode, you will see the flux capacitor as the date readouts. 1985, 1955, and 2015 will be front and center, uh, cover the first, uh, and cover the first two Back to the Future films. I like, I like the look of it. I did. I, I do too, and I'm surprised. I, I feel like one, or two, well, one or two things is definitely going to happen from this. There's going to be a crossover comic book where this person, where this, where this bot appears. And two, they need to. Not as far as I know, Transformers and Back to the Future have never crossed over. No. Okay. Uh, As far as I know, if it happened, then I never read it. But um, and two, they probably need to do the train from three. Oh, and three, folks who are are are, uh, watch this program know that yes, I am very much looking to see if I can get this. Pre-order. 
Um, well, I guess if I get if I got the money for it, one. But uh, let's see. No price has been detailed for this figure, but the Transformers times back to okay. Set to go on sale pre-order sometime. So it's uh, so the pre-order is already out. You can go do that. Let's see. Find a price for this bad boy real quick. Uh, and apparently the link they have in the article goes to a Walmart link, which is not good. Boo, Walmart. I don't care if you heard me, Walmart. Boo, Walmart. Oh, wait. And here we go. I was told absolutely right. In addition to the collectible figure from IDW comes Transformers Back to the Future slash Back to the Future, the four-part comic book series. The first issue is is being revealed today along with the story synopsis. Uh, so there you go. I knew it. I didn't even read the article all the way through. So apparently Marty McFly just returned home to sweet to, to Hill Valley in 1985 and everything's look up, up until that is up until Marty and his friend, Doc Brown's time machine attracts the attention of the Decepticons. Uh, with one small mistake, Marty finds himself thrust into adventure to stop the Decepticon plot in the past, present and future. All with the help of a new time machine, the Autobot Gigawatt. So, yeah, it doesn't sound like too far away from that last uh, Transformers Ghostbusters one. And I would assume there's going to be some other Autobots and Decepticons, obviously, you know, that show up here. Um, But, yeah, there you go. It was, like I said, without even reading the article all the way through, it was inevitable. And, yes, I am looking to get this figure. Because I still hadn't gotten that Ectotron one. uh, But that's a whole other situation. Next up... Next up, uh, oh, it's you. You got this one. Oh, okay. Um, Outlawed, everything we know so far about Marvel's teen-centric sequel. So, uh, Outlawed is pretty much already started, uh, and the crux of the article is basically getting people caught up to date with what's been going on. Since the the title started, like, it was pretty much one of the last titles to come out before um, COVID kind of stopped things. So if I'm not mistaken, issue one kind of came out like right when things were kind of shutting down or had pretty much stopped. So this article is, um, and I still hadn't caught up with it, by the way, so I'm not even going to go too much farther into this. But basically it gets people caught up with everything that has come out up until then, since uh, then. And I'm not sure what it goes to. And I think it actually goes into stuff that's that's not even out yet. So if you're interested in that, and it seems to be relatively spoiler-free, I think... Actually, that might not actually be true. That doesn't appear to be true. But they kind of gloss over stuff, looks like. But anyway, regardless, it kind of goes through some stuff. And if you, you know, care to check it out, you do. Because I know we'll be talking about some of this stuff when it comes up. Next up. All right. So apparently 21 planned Empire tie-in issues are no longer part of the event, according to a new Marvel checklist. Roddy Cat uh, opines that they all went to Sword of X. Or Sword of Ten. Or Ten of Swords. Exactly. Uh, Marvel Comics has unveiled a new checklist for its upcoming summer event, Empire, to comic book retailers, including a rundown of all the issues and tie-in series planned for July through September, the planned span of Empire. What's in the list has already been known, but what's absent is the story. The crossover event was initially meant to launch launch in April, but was delayed due to COVID-19. The core limited series, several tie-ins, and crossover issues of ongoings have been rescheduled, but this new checklist is limited in scope compared to what was expected before the disruption, with eight announced tie-ins not included in this apparently definitive list of Empire titles. Which is sad because I think uh, some of those books were probably on the radar of collectors and or 
the creatives who were behind the books. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe it was part of that whole pencils down thing where they decided to scale back the event. Or maybe they decided to give it to, to uh, Hickman. Possibly. This is, and that was me totally joking because I have no no knowledge one way or the other, and it it could very well be about how, how uh, what Agent Seven is talking about. But it just seems kind of funny. It's equivalent exchange, folks. That's a thing, especially if you watch a Full Metal Alchemist. So, and I'm also will say in closing, I'm tired of Overconda getting invaded. Thank you very much. Next up, yeah. uh, speaking of Empire. Uh, um, a resurrected Avenger remixes the team's battle cry, and this is a because it's kind of supporters for Empire Avengers Zero, which I think we talked about last week. Was that last week? Yes, because it was. Uh, I think it was uh, Tim's click of the week. So, for Marvel fans, Avengers Assemble is a iconic phrase that yelled that's yelled on the battlefield of Avengers titles by the likes of iconic heroes such as Captain America and Iron Man. Uh, fans of the MCU had to wait over 10 years before, before finally witnessing Captain America use the battle cry in Avengers Endgame. And that's because Josh Wheaton is an instant ass. Um, that was me saying that, not the article. Because <laughs> remember how he teased it in Avengers and this is like, okay, how are you just going to do us like that? Anyway, when all, of Ver- when all of Earth's mightiest heroes charged into battle against the Mad Titan, Titan Thanos... These two words are typically saved for whoever is the designated leader of the Avengers at that time, though it is not always reserved for the household names, which is true because there's been other people who've said it. There's been non-Avengers who've actually said it. Um, sure. But long story short, in Empire Avengers Zero, and spoiler alert, because I still haven't read it either, apparently the, the resurrected swordsman basically says a version of uh, Avengers Assemble. And if you're watching the, the video, you um, you can see it right there. There you go. Next. All right. Um, this is actually the next story is something I spoke about last week in reviewing um, Captain America Marvels hmm. uh, about the, uh, the 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 story that was written as a side as a as a tie into the Mad Bomb story arc. From back in 1976. Mm-hmm. So, without going too far into it, this is, uh, you know, this is definitely spoiling some of the story. But um, you know, this particular story that was uh, published last week covers how the psychotropic bomb that was dropped in New York caused citizens to turn on each other, and how the edge of the wave, the bad bomb wave, affected certain parts of the city, including uh, some of the. Uh, uh, some of the harder hit, uh, even before the Mad Bomb, some of the harder hit um, parts of New York City in terms of uh, what was happening socioeconomically. Um, this particular story stretches into portions of the South Bronx. So um, it was a pretty interesting read, you know, because it, it leads one particular character uh, that's introduced in the story down a path that. Um, that uh, at least, de- at least, definitely, um, definitely made some sense during the uh, Marvel of the late nineteen seventies, mm. and also South Bronx, South South Bronx. <laughs> anyway, uh, next up, the the Mandalorian's coming to comic books, folks. Because surprise, no one should be surprised or shocked by that at this point. 
Uh, Lucasfilm has announced plans for a new line of Star Wars comic books based on the Disney Plus streaming TV series The Mandalorian, which focuses on the titular titular bounty hunter and his trials and tribulations perfecting an infant known colloquially as Baby Yoda. From malicious villains that want to learn the secrets of the child's extensive uh, force powers. We still don't know. Because they they how they ended things on Mandalorian, and actually it's worth a watch if you if you haven't watched it. I may actually do a rewatch before season two happens. But yeah, uh, announced as a part of a wave of new Mandalorian products across multiple publishing media, Lucasfilm calls uh, plans call for comic books from both Marvel Comics, uh, the Walt Disney Company, and IDW Publishing, who publishes the Star Wars Adventures um, all ages comic line. There you go. That's the thing that's coming. I'm sure we will absolutely let y'all folks know when that happens. Next up. Uh, spoiler alert. Marvel has a new Illuminati. And it could be connected to a massive threat. So apparently the once and future Green Goblin, Norman Osborn, had a meeting in the latest issue of Ravencroft, number five where we were officially introduced to Marvel's latest shadowy organization, Janus. Wasn't that from James Bond? J-A-N-U-S? You would think. Probably. Right? In addition to revealing its members, the comic also teased a possible connection to the coming of Null. Right. And which is a name we've we've talked about in the last definitely most sometimes it's the year with uh the civil server black series and uh, other places uh notes popped up so the names on this uh on this um illuminati is somewhat notable in certain cases um so it is gw bridge i have no idea who that is malcolm cole oh, export X Force. That's right. X Force. He used to be a he used to be an agent of Shield. GW Bridge. Okay. Which makes uh, uh, one, at least one other name on here uh, makes some sense. Contes Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, who I thought was dead. Uh, yes, I thought she was dead too. Yeah. So that's a whole thing. James McDonald Hudson. No kidding. Yep. Uh, Monica Rappaccini. Who you know seen, has been seen more? Who I think is a way more recent character. She's, she's with AIM, and you know, um, I know last right. Last, in, yeah, she was in uh, what you call it when uh, Bobby DaCosta took over AIM, right? That is correct. That's where yeah, I think that's where she got started from, and then she ended up. I think she she's popped up in a couple of different places, including like that uh, Unstoppable Wasp uh, series. Uh, and last but not least, uh, Madam Viper. So. Yeah, and of course, you know, Norman Osborn. So yeah, so yeah, that's I haven't read that. I think I've read like an issue of that Ravencourt series because I have no idea where it's supposed to be going or what it has that much to do with outside of it being Marvel's Arkham. Right, um, but whether that's actually supposed to be something far-reaching sounds like I guess it might be. And I feel like there's another secret invasion coming for some reason because Osborn is involved. But hey. We're just going to hope that's not the case. Next up, um, Alien versus Predator versus Iron Man. Um, uh-huh. Marvel Comics acquires two iconic sci-fi franchises. 
So yeah, Marvel now has the Alien and the Predator franchises, which means stay tuned for crossovers with uh, the Avengers versus Aliens, or the Predator, or something like that, or the Fantastic Four versus the Predator. No, wait, hold on. Hmm, the X Men versus Aliens, and then the Avengers versus the Predator. How about that? That sounds plausible, right? Maybe. Right. There's uh, what you want to call it? The Aliens are like the Brood. Yeah. Um, or it could be, you know, they could do a Guardians thing. Who knows? But anyway, um, the Alien and Predator franchises have been a mainstay, I wouldn't say that, in the comic book industry for decades. Uh, and now they both have okay, a new... I think that's a, pretty, that's a pretty solid statement right there from, they've, you know... They've been around, yeah. Mainstay, though? I mean, you know, mainstay of the Dark Horse public line. Well, yeah, but most of what they do is licensed stuff, or most of the stuff that they've kind of known for is the lightly is the licensed stuff between them and like IDW or the yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, now they have a new home. IDM can exclusively reveal that Marvel Comics has required the rights to both of those things that we just said, paving the way for a new line of comics set in the cinematic sci-fi universe. Uh, while Marvel isn't ready to reveal specific titles or creative teams yet, we can debut a pair of incredible teaser images drawn by Batman artist Davis Finch. Uh, first up, here's Finch's tape on take on Aliens' big chap Xenomorph. And if you're watching the video, you can see that. And that totally looks like, I'm going to say because of that Walkman, there's, there's definitely a Guardians of the Galaxy reference in there. Um, and of course this one with, uh, the predator holding Iron Man's helmet. I did not see these pictures beforehand, so. No kidding. Yeah. And on top of the Avengers tower looks like, I assume. So yeah, there you go. And then of course there's some other, oh, that's some, some other stuff. But yeah, there you go. Prepare for that. Um, I was about to say Onslaught, but we don't want to bring up Onslaught ever. Next up. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, um, Valiant Entertainment's comic books um, took a hiatus due to the effects of COVID-19, but its flagship title, Bloodshot, is returning September 16th, and arguably Valiant's other flagship hero, Exo Man of War, will be guest starring in the issue. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, that's Sure, that's the thing. Cool. Next up, um, folks, we we have very little. Uh, we we don't see that many volume books, or much less talk about them. I think I've I may have talked about recently Quantum Witty, and that's been going on. I still haven't talked about it, but regardless, that's whatever. Steve Orlando sets the stage for three new creator-owned series. Um, writer Steve Orlando, doggone autoplaying. If anybody knows of a, an extension that stops autoplaying videos, please let me know. Thank you, please. I can probably do that research myself, but nothing's come up. Writer Steve Orlando has announced a new creator-owned superhero title coming this fall of this year. Um, though details include, uh, including the series title, are still sparse, the story focuses on a superhero team called Crisis Command. Uh, the wildest superheroes you've ever seen from me, Orlando said in his tweet, announces, uh, announcing Crisis Command. An idea a minute, and it's just the beginning. And it's, this is an original, folks, he said in a follow-up. The gloves and the rules are no more. 
I feel like this is pretty much what they said when um when Ultimatum when excuse me when the Ultimate Universe uh, happened, and then that kind of turned the corner a couple of years later. But create own benefit of the doubt, all of that. Mm. Uh, let's see. Orlando promises a full series announcement, including a color version of the character concept art by uh, David Tinto, seen above, to come later. Um, so yeah, and if you did not know, yes, Steve Orlando has worked with a lot of DC stuff, including Midnighter, Martian Manhunter, Wonder Woman, and Justice League. Next up. All right. Last but not least, mm-hmm. from July 15th through September 9th, Diamond Comics is going to release a handful of titles from the original free comic book day slate each week to participating stores. While all comic book stores won't have every book, we're taking a week-by-week look at the tentative release schedule for these titles. Okay. So, yeah. There you go. Huzzah. Um, yeah, it looks like starting next week, I'm guessing, is when some of the stuff is kicking off. So, yeah, July 15th. So, hopefully we will be talking about that next week in some sort of way, shape, or form. Folks, that is it for the news. Um, Before we transition into the topic of the night, let us get into an ad read. Our first ad of the night is for Funko, Fun at First Sight. Your home for exclusive collectibles, such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel, including T-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise, such as their custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off, and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the fun code link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funco through cspn.us. Do it today. <laughs> Gotta love it. Hit the wrong button. That's fine. Maybe it was appropriate. Who knows? Um, but yes, folks. We have a treat for you tonight for tonight's topic. It is a New Mutants double feature. In fact, as I need to transition over into this to shot with us, there we go. Do this like I know what I'm doing. Um, we're doing two topics. The first of which is the 1992 original graphic novel, The New Mutants, by Chris and Claremont. You said 1992? I'm sorry, 1982. What am I doing? My apologies. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, 1982 Marvel graphic novel, uh, the, the New Mutants by Chris Claremont and Bob McLeod. So as we tend to do, uh, and that we are also doing, actually I'll just go ahead and say it, we are also doing the 1983 um, saga, three-issue New Mutants saga, um, Demon Bear, which is going to be you know, this is what the basically the hopefully upcoming movie is going to be based off of. Right. Um, so and that's the reason that's the reason why we uh, put this particular uh, 
topic and series of books into our schedule and rotation because Mm -hmm. in anticipation of New Mutants hopefully being released at some point this year uh, or sometime soon, it's time that we got ourselves caught up, caught up with um, the events, you know, these characters and the events that uh, uh, the movie is going to be based upon. Absolutely. So, yeah, so a little, as we tend to do, um, and if, I guess this should go without saying, but if I didn't put the spoiler tag before the show, uh, like I'm I'm probably going to start doing, uh, so we will be basically talking about these uh, these issues in this books um, thoroughly enough, anyway, let's put it like, because the, the, the OGN is pretty, you know kind of goes through uh but also like i said before we get into that we will go through what's been what was going on around the time uh that the original graphic novel that we're going to talk about first comes out so a couple of things to note right off the bat as a matter of fact i'm going to flash and quickly flash (laughs) the cover of the uh or the, the graphic novel for the folks on the video uh, and as you can see, it says uh, at the top it was four ninety five because books were uh, so basically Marvel was doing a line of <clears throat> original graphic novels. Um, I can't remember where this one came in on. Like I want to say there might have been a few of them. Wasn't Captain Marvel's first? Captain Marvel, the death, death of Captain Marvel was number one. This is number four. Mm. Oh, right, because that's right, because it says at the top of the number six, because I forgot they were doing that for these uh, graphic novels. So, yes, this is the fourth one in the series. I can't remember the other ones that don't matter at this point, because I don't know if, you know if we're going to get to those. But regardless, so they've been doing a series of these. They've been putting them out in trade form at the time. Um, also, worth noting, as far as the characters are concerned, real quickly, so the X-Men at this time were presumed dead and or missing, which was probably not the first time. Might be the first time that I would think about it. I don't know. Um, but they were presumed missing. Uh, Xavier and Moira McTaggart was was the ones left on Earth. I actually ended up doing the reading of the issue, uh, or at least a couple of issues prior to, you know, this taking starting to take place, because mm-hmm. it is referenced in the, the at least the one issue where it actually happens is referenced in the graphic novel. Um, also another thing to know: so Iyana Rasputin, uh, Colossus's little sister had just basically had a time jump of her character because in the issue that the uh, was it the issue was it 160 or 160 so in uh and uncanny x-men 161 the x-men end up getting taken uh away as they were partying above on um a shiar ship so they get taken away by Deathbird and whoever else but uh Professor X was recovering from a coma that he was in the, the couple of pre, uh, issues before, and the X Men had just finished fighting Biasco, uh, Belasco, excuse me, and I think Sim, who come up later in another uh, event that hopefully we may get to, um, involving the immun- uh, the mutants, and specifically Iana. But let's see. Uh, so yeah, so. Iana was like six years old or six or seven years old, six years old. And then at the end of the issue, she ended up jumping into a 13 year old body or into her 13 year old body because of what happened during the end issue. So she's a little older now. However, it has nothing to do with this graphic novel, but it will, but this is going to play in later on sort of, uh, with when we talk about demon bear, 
uh, and she's still not on the team of New Mutants. In fact, the team of New Mutants that we have are the original team of Cannonball, um, Mirage, Sunspot, Wolfsbane, and Karma. No Doug Ramsey, no 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 Cipher, no Warlock to be seen. Although when we get to Demon Bear, we'll get some shades of that, and no Magma, who ends up showing up in, in between then uh, and Demon Bear. In fact, Cipher doesn't even show up for Demon Bear, so that's a whole other situation. But um, and Iyana group some uh, and some point joins the group. Uh, so this is where we at. Oh, we're, and also because of the fact that the X Men have been are gone and presumed dead, Professor Xavier is kind of at a low point and feels like yeah, he don't want to send another group of children to die, even though he continues to do that often. Ah. But here is where we are at the start of the uh, graphic novel. So you kind of want to take it? Sure. I mean, we'll op- we we find ourselves. On the slopes of Anne Morag, and I keep thinking they're on Morag. Is Star Lord not far from here? That was my very first thought. Nice. But they're in the northwest highlands of Scotland, and we find uh, someone uh, being uh, not assaulted by, but definitely startled by a wolf. And this person we find is actually Moira McTaggart. And this wolf is none other than Rain Sinclair. <laughs> yes. We are enjoy- at least I am enjoying understanding how to pronounce her name now. Nope, I'm loving it because uh, as soon as because as soon as I opened it up and saw this, I, I thought the exact same thing. Right. So, you know, all those years of calling her Ronnie, right? Mm-hmm. Or Ra- <laughs> so um so Moira has uh kind of found herself surprised by the appearance of Rain Sinclair in her wolf form, but um, sees her, sees Rain transform uh, from wolf to human and all of the stages that she uh, occupies in between and uh, discovers that it's someone that she knows. She actually is familiar with Rain Sinclair, someone who she delivered as a child way back when, uh, 14 years prior, and now that she has, uh, you know, entered puberty, she has exhibited what uh, Moira deduces to be um, some sort of mutant power because she had anomalous DNA matrix in her blood. Oh my goodness. She had an anomalous DNA matrix in her blood. You gotta love Claremont, man. Right? And of course, um, and of course, you know, she deduces that she could be a mutant. And of course, there is, it wouldn't be a mutant store if there weren't uh, uh, frightened villagers with pitchforks, shotguns, and torches hot on her heels. Mm-hmm. And they're trespassing upon Kinross land, which is, I guess, uh, Moira McTaggart's ancestral land. And um, that's basically her way of getting these folks to uh, stand down and beat a quick retreat because um, that's essentially, you know, she essentially pulls rank, literal, literal rank on these uh, townspeople so that she can get rain to safety. Um, you know, uh, the next, per- the next character. Oh, I was about to say, you before say? you, before you go on, this is probably be the time to, to mention that. Uh, so this, this book is from 1982. Um, right. And around the time, probably up until the last 
don't know how when this started, but the, the Marvels kind of not shied away from showing certain things, uh, or kind of sort of addressing certain topics. Right. Um, and as we will see going into this this next bit that uh, that uh, Agent Seven is about to talk talk about, you'll see what I'm talking about. Oh, sure. Well, this is also a thing that Claremont did. Yes. He definitely put this uh, up front, you know, as part of, um, you know, his stories in the X universe, the, mm-hmm. X, the, the X universe, the corner of the Marvel universe wherein the X characters uh, resided. Mm-hmm. So next we flash to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, where uh, we find ourselves in the middle of, I guess it's a junior high school or high school, I guess high school. I'm um, not sure. High school soccer match between uh, it's a championship match between the Thunderbolts of the Villar School and their arch rivals, the Dynamos. And one um, and one member of the Thunderbolts of the Villar School is one Roberto da Costa, who is um, you know who's a goal scorer. You know, despite his slightly diminutive um, uh, height. He is a goal scorer on the soccer slash football field. Um, <clears throat> Bobby Roberto, aka Bobby DaCosta's uh, father, is in the stands, as well as his uh, noticeably blonde girlfriend Juliana Sandoval. <laughs> um, but in the midst of this game, uh, Bobby takes a couple of hard hits, which should have been called as fouls but uh for whatever reason um you know bobby thinks he's uh you know he's gotten screwed even though well, from no, the bobby stands, was absolutely getting screwed what's that bobby was absolutely getting screwed right what, what 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 what's funny is that sometimes fouls can be so perfectly committed that it doesn't look like it's anything bad right so that's what's implied here so um uh, Bobby takes it into his own, takes things into his own hands, and goes after uh, one of the uh, the players that fouled him. But uh, he finds himself on the losing end of a couple of quick um, punches. But what ends up happening is, as Bobby's on the ground, he manifests his mutant power for the first time, powers up, turns into uh, a, a living embodiment of Kirby Crackle. And uh, chucks the, uh, the 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 boy who was um, who's punching him out. Chucks him halfway across the field, and uh, basically uh, starts a uh, starts a mini uh, a mini panic because everyone's looking at him like, "Who is this dude who looks like Kirby Crackle?" Uh, and uh, you know, everyone everyone is frightened. Uh, 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 Bobby's father can't get to him, but Juliana Sandoval does, and she makes it to him. Um, his power, his uh, nascent power, uh, basically burns itself out, and he collapses. Um, in the interim, we find out that he has been targeted by someone with ruffles under his jacket. Uh, so so before, yeah. So before you go any further, so that whole the whole thing with Bobby and his other person was also perpetrated, but but because um, as the guy that was that was uh, hitting Bobby, you know, uh, was was beating him up. This uh, an issue of race came into play because basically it says, oh, sure. so we, we don't want to we don't want to leave that out. 
Um, because he basically says like, yeah, I may be thrown out of the game, but at least I'll still have the satisfaction, satisfaction of beating you to a pulp. Your father's wealth can't change the color of your skin. You're still black, an animal masquerading as a human being. So, you know, racist. There's, there is Chris Claremont front and center. Mm-hmm. So, and then that's when the rest of that, that happens. So there was definitely, you know, uh, well, there's, I was about to say there's race and class involved. Yes. It's funny that well, well, I was actually going to mention that as we tie into our next character introduction. Mm-hmm. So where we went from, uh, you know, where we went from the opening, uh, the opening scene with uh, a character who is familiar to fans of the X Men, um, to uh, uh, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. I forgot to set the stage that this was in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Uh, you know, to, to uh, which actually we, reminds me. I wish we had. Uh, I wish we had that. Um, that uh, I think you know where I'm going with this. That uh, the audio clip of uh, Vin Diesel from Fast and Furious. Oh, this is Brazil. <laughs> oh my gosh! But anyway, continue. Uh, so next up. We find ourselves in Cameron County, Kentucky, and get we're introduced to one Sam Guthrie, surprisingly aged teen, going to work in the coal mine. Hmm. And I can hear my audio bounce back to me. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to, if you want to take this lip section away. Um, and it's, yeah, I mean, whatever you're saying is coming through the audio, so there's not much I can do about it. So, all right. Well, you know, because I hate to do this the audio. Yeah, it seems to be trying to, trying to work itself out. You sure you don't want to just uh, cannibal? I'll take this character. Sure. Okay. Um, so yeah, we, we cut to Cameron County, Kentucky, where as, uh, Agent 70 was saying, we meet up with one Samuel Guthrie, aka Cannonball, age 16, working in the mines, who's, you know, would, granted, that's not unheard of for a place like that, you know, um, but yes, he's who, so, and I will post it, post it here. So I was watching um, X-Men, the animated series, and the, one of the last episodes was basically introducing Cannonball and a similar scene happening. Except for in this case, so Samuel's going, Sam's going to work and he's talking to the people around him and they're talking, they're saying, hey, condolences to, you know, about your dad dying. And, you know, Sam's talking about, yeah, thank you. And, you know, now that you know, my dad's gone, I'm the, the man in the house, so I have to provide, which is why he is going to work in this, in the mines. Um, so he, we don't know whether he's invulnerable when he's blasting yet. And I'm sorry for ruining that for later, but whatever. It was going to come up at some point. Um, so he goes down into talking to, uh, one of his dad's friends and talking with the, uh, you know, while they're working and trying to get, you know, get acclimated to his work situation. And there's even, a, um, some dialogue here about like, yeah, he's kind of resenting his dad for, for leaving him in the state when he's promising, you know, big and better things, but you know, it is what it is. So he feels bad about even thinking that way. Uh, but then a cave in happens as they're working and this is where, Sam's uh, mutant power manifests itself when he's trying to save the, um, the, the, the his co-worker from the mine 
to which he does. So he and the mind, he and the mind, other mind worker friend escapes because once again, he's invulnerable while he's blasting. We don't want to ever forget that part. Um, and they land a, a little while, you know, they, they land outside of the mine and people find them. And, you know, there's like, oh, it's a miracle that it happened. And Sam's, you know, was like, I don't know how that happened. It was me. I did it. Um, and, of course, this cloaked figure with the ruffles uh, is also watching him as as this goes on. And then we cut to the next scene, which my favorite new mutant. There you go. So we find ourselves medicine. Oh, now I'm like, oh. The medicine boat mountains near the town of Sundance, Colorado. This is before Robert Redford uh, discovered the town so that he could have a film festival there. Uh, Danny Moonstar is uh, essentially meditating and um, meets up with a, a, a friendly mountain lion. Gotta love the friendly mountain lion. Uh, who, uh, you know, the, the friendly mountain lion that comes up to her and and, and is just looking to cuddle, but the cat recognizes uh, a scent and skedaddles, but the scent that it that uh, Ridge Runner, the mountain lion, sense, uh, senses is Danny's grandfather, Black Eagle. Um, Black Eagle comes to Danny with a message saying that it's time for her to leave the mountains, and you know she. What, what the thing is, he must know that she is a mutant that she is uh, exhibiting some abilities and that um he needs to send her someplace where uh you know to 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 uh, uh to somewhere you know he summoned a man a teacher who's going to uh help her use the gifts given by the great spirit her powers of the mind and um you know th- you know this person's got a lot of gifts he lives in New York. His name is Charles Xavier. And the next exchange, Claremont, man. <laughs> this is the eighties after all. You might see a you might see this come up on CB Caps. Either this one or another one that's gonna come, about to come up. But yeah, you might see this uh this uh, panel on CB Caps. She exclaims, A white? You would send me to an Anglo? Oh my goodness! You gotta love the representation here, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. You know, we're talking. Uh, uh, Roddy Cat and I were talking about this just before the start of the show, and it's remarkable that. And I don't want to get too far into this because we're, you know, the, the, it's actually going to come up later. But it's remarkable that um, that the X Office and Claremont put in su- such a, a diverse. Uh, cast of characters into the new mutants and if you didn't think that representation uh, 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 if you think that representation matters now it definitely mattered back then in the early 80s mm-hmm. you know ages of these comic books where you know where Danny Moonstar is Cheyenne you know we have a black a Brazilian uh, boy in Sunspot and we're going to be introduced to other characters who are from uh, various you know this is um Giant size X Men two point basically, right? And proud and and proud and and you know makes no bones about saying it any time they can. So there's and so it's a, a lot of love about that. Like they don't, sure. they don't shy away from saying, "Hey, look, I am who I am," and you know I'm not gonna, you know, be different. 
Anyway. Absolutely. So in Danny's rage, her mutant power manifests itself and an image that is uh, possibly uh, um, the greatest fear of um, Black Eagle comes up and we see what that could be. And, um, you know, Danny summoned the dream shapes without thinking. So, you know, as a result of this particular outburst, she understands that um, maybe her grandfather's right and that she should go to see Charles Xavier. And he basically says, you have no choice. I command it. So she says she will obey. Um, of course, uh, the ro- the figure with the ruffles, gotta love the ruffles, man. <laughs> the figure with the ruffles is also watching, but we find out that is it is, in fact, Donald Pierce, a human member of the Hellfire Club. On this very same page, we also find out that um, Donald Pierce is holding another member of the Hellfire Club hostage, her name is Tessa. I believe she is. Um, I don't think she's the Black Queen at this point. I think she's just a uh, like a, a lower member, right? Yeah, so, I'm not sure, but... if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. I mean, that's that's we'll 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 say it's right until we find out otherwise. Right. So, but uh, but in any event, Donald Pierce has Tessa hostage. And he is saying that um, he's going to take over the Hellfire Club and get rid of all the mutants and get rid of Sebastian Shaw, um, you know, when his plan goes into effect. Uh, Soon after, we find ourselves later on in the evening and uh, Danny Moonstar is awoken by by something happening, like a psychic scream or something. She jumps on her horse and and, and goes charging towards the source of the disturbance and finds her grandfather, um, you know, uh, Black Eagle, laying dead on the ground, and she swears vengeance, Um, you know, because she knew that she saw that in her dreams. Um, Do you want to take this uh, next transition? I sure will. So then we cut to uh, Xavier Mansion, where uh, Charles Xavier... Uh, Moira McTaggart, uh, Rain Sinclair are uh, in, I guess, one of the laboratories, and they are basically doing tests on. Um, and I did not. This is the part I did not know. I didn't realize. And originally, I didn't remember. Let me rephrase that, because now that I think about it, once we get into this, uh, I feel like I remember the issue. But one Shan Koi Mon, I hope I'm pronouncing that name right, aka Karma. Um, mm-hmm. they are basically examining her, um, uh, because I guess she, well, not, not even, I guess she was brought here thanks to, uh, Reed Richards and the Fantastic Four. And I believe that was, well, it'll say here in a minute. It, it, it would probably say here in a minute. I think it's Marvel team up 101 where karma actually came in and not this story. Right. It's actually a Marvel team up. It's a Marvel team up with Spider-Man. Right. Um, uh, it's the FF and Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And uh, Karma and her relatives come into play in that issue. So this is a direct follow-up to that. Yes. So, um, so you know, they're talking, and Shan's want to know what the professors learn, and we we tend to find out that Shan kind of already Shan already has some sort of control, uh, and already possesses a, 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 an amount of control of her powers already, and a a 
uh, test of her powers is being called for, and Myra uh, offers herself up as a guinea pig, uh, to which does happen, which kind of spooks out Rain, who turns into uh, 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 one, of, one of her werewolf forms because she's scared. Now, the thing you know you should know about Rain at this point, one, she's young, and I guess I should go ahead and say this, because I didn't realize this prior to... In- I just wanted to add, it's actually... Uh, Marvel team up 100. 100. Okay, thank you. Yes. <laughs> actually, it's actually 100, and believe it or not, it is an issue written by Chris Claremont, Ding. drawn by Frank Miller and Bob Wyacek. Ding. So there you go. <laughs> That's synergy, folks. Um, so he, yeah, Claremont brought brought her over to here, where she, you know. So there you go. Um, but yeah, so like I said. Uh, an example of Shan's powers is that, so Shan has the ability to possess people um, it, with pretty much absolute control she does have limits but we don't get into all of that like I said this spooks out Rain and the reason why I bring this up because Rain gets spooked because so Rain at this point is kind of let's say considered, considered rather sheltered oh that's the understatement yes uh, because she she grew up in Scotland and she grew up in a very Catholic situation, you know. So th- so a lot of things that she is pretty much coming new to uh, for the first time in the pages of this and you know the upcoming uh, ongoing series. Right, she's not you. You can't even consider that she she was uh, you know getting that much kind of, that that much of a secular education. Right. So, uh, as you said, sheltered is probably very apt, is an apt description. Mm-hmm. So, and so when it comes out, so, so, so as she, since she sees um, Shan take over Myra's uh, body and mind, she gets spooked because she's never seen another body because she thinks things like that is magic, even though she knows, you know, there are such things. At this point, she knows there are things as mutants or starting to know anyway. So she was like, yeah, I'm frightened. And they were like, they're trying to call the professor and my, excuse me, the professor was trying to calm her and Shan was trying to calm her down because like, hey, hey, calm down. It's just, you know, it's just Shan doing the thing. Um, And the professor spoke telepathically to her because she didn't, you know, because Rain was like, wait, you were talking to me in my voice. How did I hear that? And, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So Shan lets go of Myra and Myra's like, oh, I didn't, I have no idea what was going on. But then they convene into another room and um, the professor, well, Shan's actually talking about a little bit of her backstory, um, which I think some of it, like I said, the re Richards part of this, the equation, uh, we get the, we get the part about she's being, uh, she's a refugee, uh, and that her and her younger siblings, uh, you know, were, were coming to America, uh, and we find out a little bit more or information. Vietnam. From Vietnam, excuse me, exactly. That there's a point that I, I probably did not mention when I said her name, but yes, uh, she's like, yeah, her father was in the army, uh, in the South Vietnamese army. Her mother was a teacher, and they were both killed. Well, at least she says at the time she they were both killed by pirates, uh, and her her and her siblings came here, and she's got a job to try to take care of them, you know. And uh, she also had another brother who uh, that she had to take care of, which is basically what happened in the, the Marvel team up uh, issue. Um, so, so they learned that yes, yeah, she has a modicum of uh, control over her body, of her own powers already because of the fact that she had to teach herself, you know, 
how to use her, her powers to kind of make sure they, they stay in check. Um, and then they go into the kitchen, sit down, have something to eat. And then Myra and tell, uh, and, and Charles have a telepathic conversation because Myra can sense the fact that like, he's kind of worried about, uh, having to train new students, uh, because of the fact that the X-Men, as we said earlier, are missing at this point and they're, they're really off in space because they got kidnapped, but he thinks they're dead while he was convalescing. Uh, so they're having this conversation telepathically in which comes, which basically, um, Myra talks them into teaching, you know, training, uh, Rain and Shan into more control of their powers. Uh, then the doorbell rings, Myra goes and gets it. And then the, uh, and then Shannon and rain are sitting there still talking to professor X. When a letter comes, which leads us into um, going back to one of the other mutants that we have previously met. Uh, um, Charles talks about the fact that he knows uh, Black Eagle, or he knew of Black Eagle, and you know that he his that his life was saved by Black Eagle, basically. Without I think that may come up someplace else, somewhere else. But they basically plan a trip to go get Danny Moonstar. But but uh, but when they get there. Um, you know, cause you know, comics, they can just snap like that. So they get there and then Shan gets, um, bombarded by, um, what we know is going to be, uh, Danny Moonstar's powers. And she starts to freak out because it brings up her fears of some stuff that she was trying, that she was basically holding back from, uh, the professor in them. And that is stuff that was going on while she was still in Vietnam. And this was Vietnam at the height of the war. So see as she has seen some things. Um, and then an explosion happens, which is a real explosion. And then some, some folks that we see, which look like kind of like mandroids, if you know what the historic look like, but kind of more human looking ones, uh, attack Danny Moonstar as she's running. Uh, and we're going to find out these, these are the same people who killed the black Eagle. And, uh, as much as I hate to say this next part, we say a hearty goodbye to Ridge Runner, who tries to help uh, Danny Moonstar get away, but gets tossed off tossed off of a cliff by um, this armored person, and Ridge Runner dies. Um, this armored person grabs Danny Moonstar, but then gets attacked uh, psychically by Karma, or excuse me, gets possessed by Karma. And who tells Danny that, hey, don't worry, I got, I'm, we're here to help you, and that we're with Charles Xavier, um, and that you know we're here to help you. So Danny's like, oh, Xavier is the the the, the, the person that that I was talked that I was uh, told by my grandfather, and then it's like, wait, these people killed my my grandfather. This is not going to stand. And professor, uh, the professor stops her by psychically telling her, no, don't do it because, you know, we're all after the same thing and come with us if you want to live. He didn't say that like that, but I'll just put that in there. Um, and then Danny, in true to form, which, you know, we don't see that much of later, was like, hey, a lot good of your promises. To, you know, you basically was like, look, you, I don't need nothing from you. Leave me alone. I will get revenge on my own time. Um, 
and you can't help me. So Xavier's sitting there trying to explain the fact that, yeah, you know what? Calm down. I'm just here to help. We can help you get, you know, we can help you get better training and, and whatnot. And uh, just come with us. Then we come to find out she's hurt and Shan kind of takes a look at her um, because she has I need look- nothing from you, white man. Leave my hills. Leave me. There it is. Like I said, gotta love. I love you. Gotta love. Yeah, exactly. You gotta love Danny for the, for this. Like I said, um, but yeah, and you she- and you and you forget how progressive Claremont was in these issues. Yes. You know exactly because a lot of this that, that we're hearing about that we're seeing from Danny, a lot of other creators don't 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 keep up with, or have yet and what's- have not kept up with. Exactly. Exactly. So, but yeah. Um, Shan tends to um, Danny's wounds that she got while trying to run away from the armored the armored dude, which I think don't think we ever got a name of who these were, but we kind of find out who they're who he's working for later. Um, and Danny's like, "You all made an explanation," and it's like, "Yeah, I bet I'll do that because I owe your because uh, I owe your father my life because apparently his he knew not only." Um, not only Danny's great uh, grandfather, but the father also, who I believe was the one who saved the life, not the grandfather. Um, right. And then he goes on to explain that yes, Donald Pierce, Pierce, that the is the one that's after her, and that they're going to try to get to the bottom of it. But they got to go uh, take care of a couple of other, go get a couple of other students that he's been seeking, that namely Sam and Roberto. Uh, but now they realize they have to split up because you know. Not that they know Donald Pierce is after all of them, you know they got to kind of split up to go to go after him. So Danny breaks out a knife and is like, "Nope, this dude's got to die." Professor stops him uh, and talks her down. Uh, and Danny's like, "Fine, I will help you until I can get my revenge." Matter of fact, she was like, "Yeah, Pierce is mine. Y'all, you y'all do what y'all want, but I got Pierce." Again, Danny Moonstar, <laughs> folks. Lover. So then this cuts to uh, the next day uh, in Rio where uh, Mariah, Myra and the girls are in, this, uh, in the hotel room and then they get busted in by the police. Uh, Mariah, Myra gets smacked and gets handcuffed uh, and Shan and Danny were going to do something and Myra kind of gave Shan the, the symbol of like, no, nah, don't do something. I got this. Shan does um, possess one of the cops you know, to uh, to help her out so that they can escape in a little bit, which they do, but Myra doesn't. Uh, and Myra basically tells them to go find Roberto while she deals with the cops. And then they disappear. Uh, so Danny and Shan disappear into the streets of Rio de Janeiro. And then we come across later to, um, to the Tecosta townhouse where... Bobby's sneaking out to go somewhere because he got a, uh, he basically got a message that said, Hey, your girlfriend's been kidnapped and you need to come to this place alone. Uh, where, uh, another person and then, well, excuse me. And then Shan and Danny see him sneaking out of his house and they decide to follow him because they, because he needs, he's going to need help. Uh, Roto gets to the place where he's supposed to be, where his girlfriend is being held. And he basically gets, um, gets, uh, tossed to the side by you know the person uh, that is holding his girlfriend hostage it is also worth noting that in this instance and the instance prior with the, uh, the football match the soccer match 
this is basically the, the couple of displays of Bobby's famous temper or hot-headedness that is mm-hmm. on display, but it kind of doesn't do him guns because he's not really trained to, to fight at this point. But his powers, again, manifests. Uh, but since it's nighttime, they don't kind of stick around that long. So he did, makes an effort to try to uh, to subdue his captors, but gets taken down because, again, it's, it's nighttime. He doesn't have full control of his powers or had much... Uh, full charge. He doesn't awful. have a full charge. Exactly, was what I was about to say. But he makes a good effort uh, up until a certain point to, until his powers give out. Uh, but then he's saved by one Danny Moonstar uh, and Shan, who comes in and starts possessing some folks. And uh, if you did not know, Danny Moonstar's uh, mutant power is basically to seek in somebody's mind and can put images, uh, illusions, can make allu- basically illusions based on what they see in other people's minds and other stuff. But that comes later. Yes. I, I just wanted to add a quick point about mm-hmm. the Hellfire uh, uh, agents or troopers here. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Sunspot is, uh, you know, taking them on, he's got his at least a, a burst of power, and he definitely knocks a couple of them for a loop, and he breaks up uh, oh, right. the uh, the floor that they're on. Mm-hmm. But what these Hellfire troops uh, reveal is that. You know, while his powers are impressive, um, they're not exactly normal. They were once until a mutant named Wolverine cut them to ribbons, and now they're bionic, part men and part machine. And this is a pre, these characters, at least one of them, if not more of them, are precursors to the Reavers. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah, and, and also, uh, if Granted, we get into this in a little bit, but Donald Pierce also uh, is a cyborg, right? And therefore, and these are uh, troops under his command. So yeah, so and thank you for for eight to seven for bringing up the especially the Wolverine thing because uh, Danny looks into basically peeks into their minds and get their their biggest fear, which is Wolverine coming to slice them all up to pieces so, again. Yeah. Again, exactly. So while some of these folks are dealing with that trauma, Danny and Shan basically come in and try to save the day, but they don't have as much, by the way, of teamwork because Danny takes out the person that uh, Shan Shan uh, possessed. So, you know, there's that. And then they try to collect Bobby, and Bobby get, misunderstands uh, and hits Shan. Right, I was always I was confused by this. I was like, "Wait a second, she's not dressed as a reaver. What is she? What is he doing?" Right. But you know, it's in the heat. It's the fog of war. It's the heat of battle. Right. And again, you know, true to his name, uh, Roberto's kind of hot headed, so he just kind of strikes first, and you know, ask questions later. Exactly. But his girlfriend's like, "No, she's on our fire. Chill, Holmes." Um, but then. Um, as Shan gets knocked out, the other person, the 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 guy that uh, she she takes possession, get, gains his systems back and starts shooting up the place, which um, causes people to scatter. But Bobby's shook at this point, and uh, he's back in his human form. Uh, but he gets saved by his girlfriend Juliana, who takes a bullet for him. Uh and at the same time, as she gets shot, Danny, um, Danny, uh, 
you know, again, uses her powers of illusion to a greater effect and uh, peeks into his mind to, to the minds of the host and, of course, pulls out another Wolverine in, um, image of Wolverine attacking him that uh, gets him so bad that he's shook to death almost, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. So, so the battle is over. Uh, Juliana's dead. Robert's, Roberto's, you know, crying because he got her, got his girlfriend killed because he couldn't act. Um. Uh, and then they talk about yeah, I, I got must have hit him too hard with my with my uh, with my powers. And here's where I'm going to say before I forget. So there is an article in the clickbait section, real quick, about um. It's called Mutant Evolution, How Mirage's um, Powers Change Over Time. Mirage's uh, Danny Moonstar. And the first article, the first thing this article says is that, um, or at least the, the list of, the, under the byline is like, from car- casting harmless illusions to shaping its matter itself, Danny Moonstar's powers seem to keep evolving. Now, based on what we've just seen here, those illusions were not harmless. I just wanted to point it out. <laughs> because she basically calls the dude to, to be shook to death. That's not harmless. Pretty much. Anyway, so continue to the story. So basically, uh, so the girls and Robert are talking, basically get um, Roberto up to speed. Um, and he's like, yep, yeah, we're going to find whoever this is and make him pay. And then it cuts to the professor and Rain in Kentucky where the can. Where the professor's driving a yes, modified I was going to Jeep. mention exactly. I was, this is the part I was going to mention. The professor is basically driving a Jeep. I'm sitting here like he doesn't have the use of his legs. How is he doing this? Now, granted, yes, this could be a properly fitted Jeep that's that you know that that takes care of all of that. But the fact is, it was like when you first see this, is like he does how how he could also be doing telepathically because he's got those powers. So there's any number of explanations, but when you first see this, it's like, what in the world? And obviously, Rain's too young to drive, so th- there you go. Uh, but they get attacked by um, uh, a person in a Hellfire uniform that is blasting, hint, hint, and who rams hmm. into the Jeep uh, and knocks it over. Rain ends up turning into a werewolf form, uh, form while the professor is still in the Jeep because he can't get out. Uh, but Cannonball, aka Sam, uh, you know, after seeing what he does, pulls the professor away from the jeep, and the professor is unconscious at this point. Uh, while Rain, in her wolfsbane form, wolf form, uh, is watching this, and then we see another couple of Hellfire Club uh, members come and basically tells uh, Sam that, "Hey, you did your job," you know. You know, and because Sam's sitting there asking questions like, "Well, why'd you have me attack him?" I'm like, look, this boss's order. You, you you do your job. Um, keep it keep it moving. They load him into the helicopter, fly away. Meanwhile, like I said, Wolfsbane's uh, AKA Rain is uh, watching all of this. She transforms and tries to follow because she picks up the scent um, and showing off uh, some display of her mutant powers. You know, as she jumps over a high gate and tries to um, get past some guards and some dogs, uh, changing from form to form, she, you know, she finds out where the professor is, but she's like, well, there's not much I could, I'm not sure what I could do without, you know, the professor getting hurt. But she's listening to Donald Pierce basically 
tell uh, his henchmen what he's going to do to the professor while she's listening to this. And then um, we see the rest of the, what we will know to be the new mutants show up, AKA Danny and Roberto and Shan show up and who talked to Danny, who um, has a rapport uh, with rain in her wolf forms speaks to her telepathically and says that, Hey, we're here to help. And, you know, pretty much gets her up to speed as, as to what they're planning on to do. Um, or, and basically they ask her like, Hey, what's the situation going on in there to which they find out, but get interrupted by, um, Sam Guthrie again, who, uh, zooms past rain and kind of startles her and gets started himself. Cause he's never seen, you know, this half wolf, half, uh, woman for, or half girl form that rain is exuding. Uh, at the moment and he crash lands and she just, you know, turns into a wolf and lands on her feet. Um, and you know, Sam's like, Hey, I must be seeing things. Like I thought she this was a girl or something a little bit ago. Uh, but then he gets attacked by, uh, Danny Moonstar with, uh, some psychic images and he flies off. Um, cause you know, and then, uh, this is when the big battle starts because Rain gets attacked by uh, other Hellfire Club members, but she got the head up from Danny, so it's okay. So she's doing what she can. Uh, Bob, Bobby turns into his sunspot form and, uh, and uh, you know, kind of helps out while, you know, everybody's trying to help in and do the thing and try to get to the professor. Cannonball comes back. Sam, I'm not going to call him Sam Cannonball no more because he doesn't have that nickname yet, but Sam comes back real quick. Uh, and crashes because he doesn't he kinda have. Does. He kind of does. The Hellfire Club referred to him as that. Did they actually? Because I don't remember them actually saying that. Go flip back a couple pages when they're loading. Um, they're loading the the what you call it? The helicopters on the top page, the top of the page, top panel. Yeah. They say night for cannonball. I still don't see that, but sure. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I do see it. Yeah, it does say nice work, Cannonball. You're right. I'm sorry. I didn't even pay that in intention. So cutting back to the battle, uh, we see our, our young mutants, um, you know, still battling folks. Like I said, Tam comes back, but he doesn't have th- that great a control of his powers, so he crashes into the ground and basically helps <laughs> helps his future teammates. Uh, with some of the battle, Shan takes over a dude, but she also uh, she also finds out that hey, they, they're bionic, so her powers are going to do less good. So she picks up a um, so she picks up a guns and starts uh, shooting down folks because you know she's had had experience with guns growing up in Vietnam, so which so you know because her her folks taught her how to shoot. Um, they get into the building. Sunspar starts ripping up the machinery at the um. As because Shan told him to, uh, Donald Pierce is like about to do something to the professor when Rain in wolf form uh, try to bite down on him, but she gets surprised because he's part. This is when we find out he's Baryonic himself, uh, and he gets her away from him, kicks her into basically kicks her near the professor real bad to where she's kind of really hurt, but she's uh, going to have to end up still doing some stuff later on. Danny Moonstar tries to get the drop on uh, Donald Pierce, but it doesn't happen. And she falls. He laughs. 
And then this is when he, when we find out the professor is like, okay, yeah, I know you're really hurt, Rain, but I need you to go over here and do something to the machine so that you can help us out. And he realizes what he's doing because, like I said, he's, he's, he's was in a place where he wasn't trying to see, you know, any more students get hurt or kill themselves. But she know he also knows that she, you know, this is a situation where this, something's going to have to happen. So knowing that Rain is like really, really hurt, she was like, yes, I know you're really hurt, but please do this so we can, you know, so so we can get out of this. Um, Sunspot busts in the building uh, and basically distracts Donald, Donald Pierce, but again, gets uh, gets uh, interfered with by one Sam Guthrie again, who, who knocks him into a machine probably inadvertently and then crashes into some more machinery himself because again he doesn't have fine control of his powers and actually come to find out he doesn't get that fine he doesn't get that big of a control of his power for a quite a while as we will see going into yep. demon bear um but yeah uh the, the team basically to kind of wrap this up a little bit uh the team you know kind of do with their shantai's to possess him but she can't because you know he's He's basically bionic and it doesn't work on him. So she gets kind of taken out for a second. And um, Pierce commands Cannonball to uh, to take care of them. Uh, but but then, you know, Pierce shows his, his true colors. And Sam kind of gets second thoughts after this. And is like, no, I'm not doing what you say. Uh, and then Pierce is like, all right, fine, mutant. You get take care of with the rest of them, I guess. Sam tries to blast, but it didn't work because I guess he's at his limit. Uh, Pierce tries to shoot Sam, but gets stopped by the professor um, and gets shut down because somehow, some way, the professor is able to um, to shut down Pierce. Because, uh, what's your call? Because uh, Rain threw the switch. Right. So that's done. Pierce is shut down. And in fact, um, Shan takes over. So Shan possesses Pierce to get him to let the professor and Tessa go. They're all trying to recoup. Um, Rain is back in her human form because she's, you know, looks badly hurt and really tired. Uh, Danny covers her up. They all start talking and they're like, look, Rain needs medical help. So we need to get her to a hospital somewhere. But we also got to take care of Donald Pierce. And this is when Tessa basically says, uh, don't worry about him. I will take care of him. You ain't got to worry about him anymore, which we know is not true. But <laughs> at the time, we know this to be true. Or we think believe this to be true. So everybody leaves. Um, well, so everybody's like, well, okay, we're, well, we're going to get up and go. And Sam's like, well, what am I supposed to do? I'm like, well, your boss is uh, your boss is that way, so go with them. Which so everybody else leaves Sam in the building by himself, and he's, I we can assume he's feeling kind of remorseful about what his actions on all of this. Then pretty much, to, yeah. Then we cut to the epilogue where uh, the professor's in his office, and he's lamenting the fact that you know he's looking at old pictures of his his first team, and then the team that we know of as the Uncanny X Men. Um, and still thinking about them because again they're still gone. Um, but then he calls all of the uh, all of these students to don their what we know to be their classic uniforms uh, while they're all in, having their own inner monologues about thing about stuff. 
but the professor calls them all into his office. And this is when we uh, another knock at the doorbell um, happens. And we come no, to find out. Actually, what we get is uh, Professor Xavier is saying, well, yeah. rain at the door. And she's like, there's nothing happening yet. There's no bell being rung. Dang. Right. <laughs> right. And then, of course, the special friend's like, no, I heard him coming. I mean, I, you know, I, heard, I felt, him, felt him coming. So I knew there was somebody at the door. When she goes to answer, and it's Sam in, you know, in a suit um, who, you know, and and um, and the professor's like, uh, you know, anybody can make a mistake with Rain, because Rain's like, oh, look who it is. Like, this this fool that used to work for Pierce. And it's like, you know, anybody can make a mistake, so it's just, don't worry about it. Um, but we come to find out that the professor uh, invited Sam here. And, um, you know, of course, Roberto, who we later know to be, ends up being Sam's best friend, them two being best friends, is pretty much, you know, rightfully skeptical, skeptical um, about Sam at this point. So, because he says, um, like, he's not a villain. The professor's like, he's not a villain. He was duped. And and Roberto's like, well, how do you know this? He's like, look, I just know. Sam gave his word, and and Roberto and True Fashion's like, ha, yeah, I don't believe that. So, mm. and of course, Roberto, true to where he was at the time, because he was definitely more like this uh, back then. It was like, you know what, you're this, it's dishonorable to 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 hit somebody from behind, you know, because mm. he was all about honor and this and that other, you know, as well as what we will find out. Well, actually, we won't find out because you know, but I'll touch on some stuff in a little bit. Um. So Sam's like, yeah, I know, but I'm willing to learn. It's all good. So then all the students come to get together, and the professor's kind of looking at them. And it's like, okay, yeah, the dream is still good, as it says at the end of the book. So he's, he finds himself back to teaching students again. Uh, and therein lies the end of the graphic novel. And it ends with the, the team that we will know to be the New Mutants again as... Like I said, Sam Guthrie, Cannonball, Shan uh, McCoy, uh, Karma, Danny Moonstar, Mirage, Sunspot, Bobby DeCoscada, and Rain Sinclair, Wolfsbane. Um, and now I guess we will take this time to go into cut to a year later. <laughs> well, actually, wait, it's actually almost like two years later because New Mutants. Yeah, it's three years later because, yeah, yeah this is. We're we're up to issue eighteen, right? When we get the Demon Bear saga, so yeah, so this is roughly a year and a half, two years later, right? So here's what happens in between them, or at least roughly, because and this won't take that long, because so the the, the team started, and I was like we were talking earlier, I was going to actually read up to eighteen because I hadn't read this, I hadn't read New Mutants in a, a good while, uh, right. so some of the stuff is kind of I've totally forgot. So this was the, the core team for a little while until. Um, Amara Aquila gets found and joins the team Magma, as you will come to know her, and also um, Ilyana Rasputin, aka Magic. I don't know. I can't. I'm not sure. Well, I guess technically she is officially joined the team at this point uh, when we get to Demon Bear. But there's a little bit more about her and her powers manifesting that comes out in between these issues. 
Uh, so this, so those, the core team are those, so everybody we already know right now, plus those two people that I just talked about going into Demon Bear. So we will get into New Mutants uh, 18 from August 1st, 1984. Um, actually, the one other thing to note about this particular uh, three-issue saga is that it is the first um, arc of what we know to be the classic uh, creative team for the New Mutants, a.k.a. Chris Claremont as a writer and... Uh, Bill Sinkovich on pencils and covers. So, you want to go ahead and uh, take uh, New Mutants 18? Sure. I was actually just flipping through uh, some of the earlier issues because of what's in... Yeah, go ahead. No, no, because of what's in, you know, because of the characters that appear in um, these issues. Just give me a moment to... Uh, access our first issue of the Team and Bear Saga. Well, why, New why, well wait, hold on. Why you did that? There was, there was a little bit of before before thing that I forgot to mention. So in New Mutants issue number one, uh, mm-hmm. and this definitely leads into Demon Bear. So there is a little bit more backstory uh, about uh, the death of Danny Moonstar's parents, and there is also mention of said Demon Bear. That um, Danny, that 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 this this whole story is about. So, like I said, the, there is some stuff that kind of that kind of came out leading up to this that may have been interspersed in the first eighteen issues prior to this. You know, because Claremont was the one still writing, so obviously. But um, but yeah, the Demon Wars, the Demon War, I, as far as I know, first uh, was mentioned in New Mutants number one going into this. All right, go for right. it. There's also there's also a tease at the end of the previous issue number seventeen, which was uh, Sal Buscema's last um, last work as artist on the book, mm-hmm. because Bill Sienkiewicz, as you mentioned, is um, the artist um, on New Mutants as of this issue number eighteen. So we open this story. Uh, the cover is no. The cover states Demon Bear on it. And the title of this issue is Death Hunt with Chris Claremont as writer and Bill Sienkiewicz as artist. Do not discount the color work of Glynis Ween in this story. It is dramatic and definitely lends a lot to the story, as well as the uh, lettering by Tom Ortsakowski, who is um, uh, you know, a letterer that, has, that did a lot of X work in the uh, 80s and 90s. So his work is very familiar to me as well hmm. uh, in that regard. So, um, you know, we open up with uh, Danny under the covers with this great kind of checkerboard crossword puzzle. It's just a wacky pattern, but it's so dramatic because you see the silhouette, you see the imagery of a bear um, kind of mixed in with this kind of like, I don't know if it's a calico print quilt or, 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 or blanket that she's using to cover herself herself up with. But um, essentially, we open this issue with kind of a, a weird flashback. It's definitely not related to um, the New Mutants, uh, in a sense. We have uh, what appears to be Rachel Summers. Right. 
coming into the coming into or at least trying to come into the fold. She's trying to make herself she's trying to make her way to the Xavier school, but she is having um you know some some uh, some flashbacks to her own reality and what happened to the Professor Xavier of her reality. She finds herself at the uh, the entrance to the Xavier School, and uh, a well-meaning police officer asks her if she needs help, and she basically kind of uh, you know shoes him away and makes she makes her way in. Meanwhile, there is a training session going on in the danger room with uh, several of the new mutants uh, practicing. And we find um, their their teamwork is still definitely a work in progress. You know, this is not something that's uh, new to anyone who's familiar with danger room training sessions. You know, uh, these things can get a little messy and uh, teammates, you know, uh, tr- doing their level best uh, and acting with the best of intentions but as the danger room is wont to do the best of intention <laughs> the best of intentions you know don't exactly work out every single time yeah. so um what's revealed here is uh um you know that the new mutants do come out on top in their training session there is uh, uh i guess uh you know something that had been going on since uh she was um she was introduced. Um, Sam Guthrie has a thing for Amara Quilla, aka Magna, Magma. That is, yeah. and uh, you know he's trying to uh, you know show off for and, and 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 get in her good graces. But um, but ultimately, um, you know the New Mutants win that particular uh, battle scenario. Uh, Ileana. And Moon, Danny Moonstar are, uh, are are in the control room, and Danny is unwilling to kind of, um, you know, pay a penny for her thoughts, um, or at least be paid a penny for her thoughts by Eliana. She tries to, uh, you know, get Danny to open up because uh, for a week, um, for a week she's been having the uh, the bear um imagery pop in but um the doorbell rings and as i mentioned earlier it's rachel summers but she doesn't want to uh you know intrude and she asks for professor xavier and um iliana says well he's in massachusetts and uh rachel basically runs away so it's kind of it's kind of wild to see this particular interlude you know pop in you know as as several storylines find themselves, um, at least in this issue of the of, of this um, story arc, still being uh, carried further along. And this will not be the first one. I mean, this will not be the only one, as I've said earlier. So, oh, it's the next. I was about to say the next page mm-hmm. is another interlude of another storyline that is um, that that is going to carry forward, because we find ourselves um, following the plight of a strange alien presence who um, is found, you know, who is laying weak and uh, dangerously low on energy. And also who, and also who doesn't talk like we classically have heard this character talk. Right. Right. It's, it's more, um, 
it's more of a normal speech pattern. Right. And we find that this character's father is uh, bringing blessings of a quick and painless end that this character is not exactly looking for right now. And he flees and uh, apparently and gets away and the game continues. And this is our – I don't know if this is our first introduction to Warlock. I believe it Warlock. is. Well, yeah, you know, actually, I don't know because they very well could have, you know, kind of interspersed this in the last few issues. They, they, right. They, they used to do this stuff a whole, a whole lot back then. Right, um, right, right. Also worth noting, so if you remember us talking about uh, Mutant Massacre – and specifically the the issue of new mutants that uh that again this character also shows up in i think it took that long for them to even get well no cuz he was in, he was with the team at the time but he was kind of on it so he must have had just really kind of get get in with those uh with the folks uh, around the time of that happening but anyway continue oh this this is his first appearance New Mutants number 18. Huh. Okay. Gotta love it. Yeah. But they do introduce his name. So it is his technical first appearance. It does say, run where you will, Warlock. Right. You cannot escape me. And meanwhile, um, we find ourselves back. We find ourselves following uh, Danny Moonstar in a snowed, you know, in, in a snow-covered area where she is armed. She has armed herself with a bow and arrow, and she is taking on a bear and uh she takes out the bear with uh with an arrow but finds herself with only one arrow left and takes out a second bear but we find that this is just another danger room sequence with Ileana Rasputin overseeing what's going on so well so um, I was right there real quick because that actually just reminded me of something to bring up from issue number one uh so in issue number one we basically have the new mutants first uh, encounter with the danger room mm-hmm. and long story short, everybody pretty much goes through with, goes through the, the danger room with the exception of Danny Moonstar, who is scared to death to go in there, you know, for various, for various reasons. But by the end of the issue, she ends up going in there and actually, so basically the test was, you know, all, everybody, you know, as they tend to do with the danger room, Hey, we'll start off simple. Get from here to there, you know, uh, using your powers and everybody does it and fails but Danny runs away before her turn happens because of you know the issues that she was having with herself and her, her confidence but by the end of the issue she not only goes through the danger room but actually makes it through until something happens to her at the end of the issue but that's another point so they- I don't know if this is her first time with a bow and arrow in New Mutant it is not because I'm almost fairly certain in that issue she might have had um a bow and arrow but she basically displays what 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 you know her 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 physical prowess you know at the time i can't remember if she actually had a bow and arrow but and i'm fairly certain this is definitely not the first time in this book that she's had it so right so i mean this is definitely um an instance where 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 readers are 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 shown that she is a capable hand-to-hand combatant, you know, just so that, uh, you know, anytime they have to face and they actually say, you know, they actually have her say it here. Uh, if they have to tangle with a foe, her power cannot affect, she'd still be able to pull her own weight. So, 
you know, that's a, it's a show off another capability. But in any event, um, we are again, we are again shown the threat of the demon bear in the darkness. Um, the call of the demon bear seems to uh, get to Danny Moonstar and she paints herself with war paint and goes out into the snow to confront the bear um, who she asked to show, you know, she asked, she asked the bear to show itself and we are treated to a one page splash that even for someone who's not a regular uh, a, a fan of Bill Sienkiewicz's art because it can be sketchy at times it can be a little on the abstract at times this is one of the foremost one page spreads you will ever see say again you're, I don't know if you're on mute oh sorry yeah I was on mute um, I'm going to really quickly show that there's the page right there and I'm going to pop back because we don't need those problems but if you're watching the video version you have seen a quick glimpse of that page in its striking form right it is definitely one of the most striking pages you will see so Danny is taking on the demon bear and she um, she basically uh, strikes at it with with her bow and arrow and it just makes the bear mad and she does something that uh, Luke Skywalker does in Return of the Jedi with an arrow as opposed to a bone. And if you're talking about a rancor, you know, you know, you, you get the reference, right? So um, the demon bear is uh, taking it, taking Danny's best shots and she thinks that she's defeated it. But we get to um, uh, we, 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 we turn to. Uh, Rain Sinclair, who senses something bad has happened. Uh, she's got a rapport with Danny, and uh, you know because because uh, Danny has a rapport with uh, animals, and she's got that she she's got that animal sense, you know, as, uh, when she's Wolfsbane because of her Wolfsbane powers. Right, they basically and, have a telepathic bond because of their combined powers. Right. Uh, it turns out Bobby DaCosta heard a scream. Uh, from the woods uh, just before uh, Rain, Rain cried out. So Sam, Bobby, Rain, and Ileana rushing out the door. Amara is still in the house, but unfortunately they come to find on the last splash page of the, of the comic that Danny Moonstar is lying in the snow gravely wounded, and we get on the cliffhanger page to be continued. Which is another striking um, uh, page, just like that one, but I'm not going to show that one. Yes. Yes, we're, we're going to be using those uh, page those page views sparingly Very from sparingly. now on. Yes. So we go on to New Mutants issue number 19. Take it away. Exactly. Um... So at the side of this issue, which is called Siege, is looks like I will um let me see if I can pull this up really quick. Cool. Um I'm going to show the cover real quick, because this cover shouldn't be a problem. Like I said, sparing folks, but this is the cover. It's just a cover. Calm down. There we go. Uh so at the beginning of the issue we see uh Danny Moonstar getting taken away by paramedics into this hospital and they put her on the table. They're working on her. They're, they're, there's a lot of uh, hospital type chatter, like who is she, and you know uh, what happened, and, and this kind of stuff. 
Uh, and of course, her we're basically getting the assessment of her multiple injuries. Um, uh, and one of the doctors notes that she has on war paint, excuse me. Um, and so they don't know what's going on, but they're basically like, all right, get her in the OR, the operating room quick. She needs to be searched. She needs to have surgery on. We can't wait for x-rays on all of this. Meanwhile, the rest of the students let's, meet. Uh, let's say time, time. Hold on to that thought. Sure. Since it's 1983, I can't use my usual hospital reference of ER. This is definitely heavy scene elsewhere. Yes. Go <laughs> yes. Those Go of ahead. a certain those of a certain vintage will understand. Will know the other hospital uh, TV drama, long the running. Big hospital, yeah, the exactly. big hospital TV drama from this era. Exactly. I wasn't old enough to watch it. I'll be honest. I, but I know was. Well, I, technically, I guess I kind of wasn't, but I watched it anyway. I was, you know, like I said, I watched a whole lot of TV I probably shouldn't remember watching. Like, Hill Street Blues and all that kind of stuff was on around that time. So, yeah. It's a whole thing. Anywho, um, so we, we get the rest of the students that are outside of the operating room watching all of this go down, where they meet up with um, apparently a a, um, a side character that... what come to what we found out later on from talking to Agent 70 earlier before the show started, is a character that uh, reappears from time to time, including in the Mutant Massacre that we've already talked about. Right, but not in this form and that is a spoiler. Right. So we will will see uh, uh, later on what I mean. Go on. Right, so we meet a cop named Tom Corsi. Um, who introduces himself to the students and introduce, introduce themselves back. Um, who And he's trying to find out, you know, what happened to Danny. And they basically tell her, well, they don't tell her, but someone else comes in and tell her, is like, yeah, wait, she was, looks like she was mauled by a bear to which Corsi's just kind of awestruck, you know, kind of awestruck at first. Uh, and then he's like, wait, in Westchester County? Are you serious? Basically, and then, and Bobby kind of comes in of like, nah, we're totally kidding. Don't, don't, yeah. Which, of course, sarcasm. And, of course, in true Bobby fashion, he was like, um, you know, the, the cop, the, the cop, of course, he was like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it that way. And Bobby was like, look, man, just, just <laughs> go handle your business. Stop standing around like an idiot. Cause, you know, Bobby's, again, hot headed. Uh, Amara tries to calm him down and saying he's always the best friend. And then we get introduced to another character who I'm assuming comes up later also. I'm not sure. Yes. Susan Freelander, the nurse. Um, although we don't get the name right here. Uh, right. But nevertheless, that that is who this person is. Uh, so she basically says, well... She basically gives the update on how Danny's doing and it's not that good. Um, well, it's not good, but she's holding on by strength of will, basically. So that's a good sign. And she introduces, like, she basically asks the kid where they're, you know, where they're from, and then it gets them situated uh, with some, you know, bad stuff because the professor's not here, and they, they clearly they were staying, and she recognizes the fact. So she's like, "Well, let me go get some some pillows and stuff so that y'all can, you know, stay around." And it's also snowing. So, as noted by Bobby outside, and notice they're trapped here in the hospital because it's snowing while all this other stuff going on, which pr- pretty much plays into the part or into the to the thing. Which 
knowing what we know about the movie, I kind of wonder if any of that's going to come into play because we do, we have seen the trailer and we know there's a hospital involved, but we don't know if it's like, you know, the snow and everything else is that it's going to be, it, it's clear they're not going to do this panel for panel. Anyway, um, so the, the kids get to talking and Sam in showing his, one of his first signs, well, not first signs of leadership. Cause at, the, at this point we still, don't, I'm not sure if he, or I think it may have been established at this point that he and Danny are co-leads of the team and also right. them being the oldest. Um, also, which by the way, um, real quick, cause I know we need to probably start pushing this a little bit. Um, but it's only three issues. Um, found out from reading one of the early books, I believe it is in issue one, that Rain is a year older than Bobby. So she's 14, he's 13. Um, Yalna was aged up to 13, so because she was originally six, but um, Amara's like 16, 17. Sam and Danny are like 18, 18, 19, something like that, and and Shan is somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And Shan is up there, and because yeah, because there was a panel that I saw where that has um that has their ages because they were being you know targeted or whatever the case maybe that had their ages and their heights in it almost uh Ohatmo style, but not quite. But yeah, um yeah, Sam sixteen, Shan is nineteen, but it and they don't have um they don't have Danny, but I know she's one of the oldest, so Shan is actually older than Sam. Right. So I think Sam and maybe Danny are probably the oldest. But nevertheless, anyway, back to the story. Um, so Sam, so so everybody starts talking and starts to try to, try to piece together what's going on. But Sam's kind of the one that's like, okay, uh, well, this is, you know, the bear attacked her, and um, but this is probably not going to be the only the the only time of this. So he basically gets the idea. It was like, well, the the the, the bear is going to probably come here and try to finish his job. Um, so he basically whips out all of their uh, you know costumes or uniforms, and they go to start changing and start enacting a plan to try to see what's going on. So they also get a plan to use Rain's telepathic link with Danny to talk to her to to get her to tell you know, what happened from her end, which they do. Sunspot's holding the door, whole door style. Not really, but, um, <laughs> but as uh rain transforms, uh, in one of the few times that we see her have a, um, a change that is not the normal change for her. She finds out that, you know, whatever's going on here around this, uh, hospital, causes her form and whatever magics that might be also entailed um, has changed her form because we see a a panel of her looking uh, a little different and everybody noting that she looks a little bit different from how her normal transformations go. But after this is going on, she gets her her telepathic link with Danny who's pretty much still on operating table and under a lot of heavy drugs basically tries to tell rain from her side of the story, excuse me, while she's being operated on, but she, uh, and while this is happening, 
uh, the doctors note that she's regaining consciousness and they try to put her up under more drugs because you know, obviously they can't have her waking up while they're doing what they're doing to her, which is basically cutting her open and all this kind of other stuff. Um, no. A quick note? Yes. Quick note. So uh, on one page, um, when I guess before the drugs really kick in and Danny Moonstar um, – is 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 last you know is trying to get the last bit of telepathic communication out she calls her rainy, rainy yes. and it's spelled r-a-h-n-e-y <laughs> so for the rest of us who didn't realize that it was pronounced rainy right i read that as ronnie, ronnie? and right. i've probably seen that a million times but this is marvel screwing with us when roadie looked a lot like rudy when i was a kid <laughs> Well, Roddy, yeah, Roddy wasn't the issue with me, but this one definitely was for for decades. So, Roddy definitely was Rudy to me for the longest time huh. because I always read it as James Rudy Rhodes. Right? Huh? Interesting. Because if you think about it, the name Rudy has also been spelled that way. Actually, I have never seen it spelled that way, but okay. So I've never seen it. That doesn't mean it doesn't. It hadn't happened. So. Right. I'd seen it, so that's my point. So, gotcha. but you know, in any event, huh. um, uh, moving on. I just I thought it was funny when I saw that. I was like, oh, it's that. this is I've seen I've seen them, you know, like kind of in a slang way, kind of refer to her as Rainy, right? And seeing it spelled that way and not understanding the pronunciation. But yeah, anyway. I went through that same thing when I was when I when I was first reading this, and I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you on that one. So I was like, wait, what? Huh? All right, sure, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go through it, I guess. So yeah, um, so Rain's freaking out because she's like, because she's um, which is another thing that Rain tended to do around this time, and she still did for a, quite a while, um, you know, because she. Um, started this uh, telepathic link with Danny and the fact that, you know, the the effort of trying to uh, enact this link and going through this link is basically has been taxing on Danny while she's still on the operating table. You know, Rain freaks out and was like, yeah, she's dying and it's my fault, which is not. But, um, and Sam's like, no, it's not your fault because I told you to do it. And, you know, they're trying to calm, calm Rain down because she thinks she's, you know, she she thinks she's the one hurting Danny while she's clinging to life. Um, so the kids basically kind of was like, "Well, we got to do something." Uh, Amara suits up, which at this point I'm not entirely sure. Like I said earlier, I'm not entirely sure if Ilyana was officially uh, a new mutant. She was definitely a- around with them because, and she doesn't, as far as I remember, through this whole thing, she doesn't have her cost has a costume. But her mutant powers have definitely manifested, so I'm not sure if, like, if she's officially on the team at this point, but she is definitely there. We cut to... Um, yeah, so they basically said, like, look, we have to defend Danny against the, the demon bear and its hospital, because who knows, you know, you know, the demon bear could definitely cause a lot of havoc in the hospital with a bunch of healthless people. Then we cut back to outer space, to the Star Jammers, where Chad... Is, is his name Chad? Chod or Chode? Yeah, I've never that one is another one I don't know. Basically, gets woken up uh, by by an alarm, uh, and this is the the Star Jammers team with Carol Danvers, aka Binary, at this time. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, 
and they get a blip on their radar radar which ends up being uh warlock and being chased by his dad uh but there's not much really they could do about it because it was like well it's going so fast that we can't catch it and even if they did like a space warp to earth to try to warn pokes it'd be too late by the time by the time they they got it so uh, I assume the Star Jammers and this comes up somewhere else because they probably wouldn't have done this whole little interlude if that wasn't the case. Um, but because basically it's like, because Corsair is from Earth and his family is there. It's like, well, yeah, we got family there, so we need to go do something about it. Um, but then, and also Lelandra is apparently here on the Star, Star Jammer, so I don't know, I don't remember how that happened because again, at this time, I wasn't really reading X-Men books like that. Um... So, there's basically saying, well, there's nothing we could do, but, you know, hey, yeah, there's nothing we could do now, but if we had to, we'll avenge them. And then that's when it comes back down to Earth and back to the hospital where Danny's clinging in life and Rain in her wolf form is basically uh, right there by the operating room. Or I guess this is, I don't know if this is the operating room or, or some sort of recovery. No, this is the operating room because we still see the doctors. She's there in her wolf form, but gets caught by Tom Corsi and who, you know, doesn't doesn't know about her and her powers, um, you know, draws a gun on her. She she skates away. Uh, he gives chase, but then she goes back into her human form. He turns the corner and almost shoots Rain, um, not knowing, you know, you know, you know, not knowing that the, the the wolf form is her and one of the same. So, but she's basically like, "Hey, don't shoot! It's just me." Uh, you know, she was worried about Danny, and she was walking the halls to, to, to you know, basically made her her, you know, gave her um, not alibi, but you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah, thank for unstable molecules, right? I know, right? Yeah, and that was the thing <laughs> I was thinking earlier because you know, because even in the beginning of this, uh, when she got her suit. I think back in the graphic novel or whatever case may be, you know, we knew that the suit was there, but then we started seeing her just changing in, in her other clothes. And I also, I meant to say that earlier when she first changed, it was like, yeah, unstable molecules. You got to love it. That was a whole thing. Um, but yeah. Oh, and actually she does actually have her costume on underneath this, but right. she also has this coat on. So, you know, again, unstable molecules. Cop doesn't say anything about the costume, by the way, because he knows he saw her earlier in some totally different clothes. Just saying. Anywho, um, Corsi goes, takes her back to the room where the other kids are, then goes to talk to um, the nurse, Sharon Freelander, and he's basically chatting her up um, at the time. While we see... Now, are we... So there is a couple of, I don't know if you noticed it or not. You probably, you had to. There's a couple of, uh, while they're chatting up, a couple of patients or, or doc- doctors. Yeah, there's a doctor and definitely, I don't know if it's a patient or another nurse or something. Who I'm not sure who this person in front of is. That have what could be considered some familiar likenesses. I'm not sure who they are. Yeah, I'm not sure, dude, but they, you know, I feel like this is not a, this is a thing that they did, you know, that was purposely done. It's not an accident, right. It's not an accident. It's definitely somebody that Sienkiewicz inserted into the book. Yes. But that's neither here nor there, because I don't think these people ever come It's just notable, because they're front and center of the panel, while the, you know, the other two characters, what we're talking about, are talking in the background of the panel. 
Um, right. and there's also another nurse there too, but you know, with Reed, so. Uh, but yeah, like I said, Corsi is chatting up the the nurse Friedlander, and then uh, a growl happens to happen, and they get attacked seemingly by the demon bear. Uh, which wakes up and also Corsi's, uh, you know, gun in hand starts shooting, which wakes up the, the kids, uh, and they go and investigate. They see some blood, but they don't see Corsi or the nurse or anybody. Um, so then they get the plan to like, well, hey, magic or oh, Ilana. Oh, yeah, we do see Ilana here in costume. So confirmed mm-hmm. she was officially with the group. Um, but yeah, Iyana goes to do some wards to 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 uh, to go to um, shield the operating room uh, where Danny is still being operated on. So she does that, but it kind of takes a toll on her. She falls into Bobby's arms, you know, and you know, Bobby doesn't necessarily exact his charm on him, but you know, it's Bobby, so he's is always there sometime, but. It might be a little too little too late because the demon bear is there. Bobby uh, tries to uh, attack it, but gets swatted away. Yana also gets attacked, but um, she is saved by the fact that part of her arm that got attacked uh, has turned to some sort of armor. And um, folks that don't know, or some folks that do know, may kind of see this as the beginnings of her... Um, her soul sword's armor. Mm-hmm. Her soul armor. But she does have the soul sword, for, for definitely. Then she tries tries to uh, strike the demon bear with it, who it does happen, and the demon bear disappears, and everybody kind of regroups themselves when the lights go out, uh, but, they, but the generators kick back in, and, uh, and the kids kind of go off to, to see what goes on with the power. Um, and we come to find out that the power lines have been snapped, so the main power's down, and they're running on generator. Like I said, the kids go go. Well, it's not even the kids. It's um, um, Iyana, uh, Magma, and Wolfsbane. So all of the, the girls go and go see about the power, while Bobby and and Sam stays with uh with Danny by the uh, by the by the um, operating room. Well, the girls get attacked. Um, excuse me, the operating tune gets, gets attacked and Yana hears, feels this because the wars that she put up are tied to her. So she feels all of that. Uh, so Bobby and Bobby and, and, and Sam are trying to fight the thing, but you know, they don't really do too much further. So they ask for help. And then the, the girls come in, try to help. Uh, Yana again gets attacked and another piece of what we probably know to be her soul armor shows up on her back but she still doesn't know what it is at this point and it's just like pieces of stuff that kind of comes and goes when she gets attacked because it basically came up and then when when she got attacked and then it kind of disappears a little bit later so she goes to attack the demon bear again um, gets battered away along with Wolfsbane um and then the demon bear just kind of trances out like he's looking, listening to some good EDM and pops them all away to someplace else. Uh, and then the last uh, part of this, uh, the last page of the issues we see the demon bear in another striking pose like, hey, what up, peoples? You in my <laughs> land now. Like, this could be somebody's album cover. That's all I'm saying. So we see the demon bear in the full full page splash 
we see uh, Corsi and Friedlander um, next to a bubble, which is shows the scene of the operating room. And then at the bottom of it, uh, of the of the splash page, we see the New Mutants, um, basically saying, "Oh yeah, so he couldn't defeat us in the hospital, so he transported us to where he was, where he is in his place. So it looks like they had trans- been transported out west, presumably closer to where Danny's from, I would assume." Right, and that ends the uh, issue with to be concluded. There you go. So moving on to issue number 20, uh, the cover is, has the, the, the title or the word Badlands on it. Um, and that is, in fact, the title of this book. This issue is stupendously psychedelic. One of the cool things about this issue, though, is it's kind of a foreshadowing of uh, future events in Marvel comics. The very first page actually gets us all caught up on what's happened in the uh, previous issue. Yeah. I was about to say, uh, yeah, this, this, this I was going to say in, yeah, in answer to your psychedelic thing, it was like, yes, in true Sinkovich style, th- this issue. De- definitely. Definitely. Sinkovich is definitely uh, flexing in this issue. No doubt. Mm-hmm. So, as I mentioned earlier, the first page is a quick recap of where we have been the last several issues describing what happened to uh, Danny Moonstar after her fight with the Demon Bear and the efforts of the uh, Westchester County Medical Center uh, doctors uh, to, uh, to save her and the efforts of the New Mutants to uh, hold off the Demon Bear's, uh, Demon Bear's follow-up attack. We find ourselves in the Bear's own domain – um, um, it's essentially like the, the, the badlands, the wild, you know, the, the wilderness or the, the plains of America, basically. Um, and, um, the, the ward that, uh, that, uh, magic had, had erected around the operating room is in fact, what's holding the operating room safely, um, from, uh, attack by the demon bear. But uh, Sharon Friedlander and uh, Officer uh, Corsi, Tom Corsi, are, as as we mentioned earlier, still under the thrall of the Demon Bear. Um, We find that um, the Demon Bear continues to to change them and changes them into um, uh, kind of demonic presences that resemble Native American uh, you know, Native Americans. They, you know, it looks like they're wearing Native American garb at this point. Right. Although, so, of course, he looked kind of. Of course, his face looked like Warlock, and there's something like, wait, did he turn him into Warlock? But no. Yeah, it's all. It's demonic. It's supposed mm. to be demonic because you look at right. You look at um, Friedlander's face, and she just looks like has a, a wacky skull. But yeah, I see what you mean. I definitely see what you mean. But um, you know, essentially, but uh, magic thinks that uh, they've become demons and um, you know uh, well well, Cannonball tries to take out the demon bear and uh, it doesn't exactly help Um, he gets knocked away by the demon bear and of course we get it and of course we get his classic line oh it's a good thing I'm invulnerable when I'm blasting (laughs) or some variation of of the theme right Mm mm-hmm you gotta love it. So, um, 
the the demonic Friedlander and Corsi are taking it to the New Mutants. Uh, the Demon Bird takes a swipe at the uh, the encased operating room and temporarily puts a break into it uh, that causes one of the doctors to uh, kind of lose track of where he is and what's going on. But it turns out after um, the demon bear swipe at the ensorcelled, um, there's, there's a word, right? Ensorcelled. Good, the ensorcelled operating room. Um, you know, you got to be a genre fan to use that one, right? Exactly. So, you know, uh, w- once the wall reseals, the doctor's like, well, you know, um, uh, you know uh, uh, I'm going to get back to work. You know, I think the strain's getting to me. But, um, you know, some of the doctors are having second thoughts because uh, of how grave Danny Moonstar's injuries are. The new mutants are still having a heck of a time dealing with the demon bear and his two lackeys. Um you know, both, uh, 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 actually the, um, the two, the two, uh, demons, you know, Friedlander and Corsi, you know, the new mutants still recognize them as, as being, uh, you know, the people that they had known at the hospital and they're hoping to try to save them and, and preserve them. Magma's not exactly, um, you know, looking to, uh, save them. She's just trying to, uh, take out whoever's trying to take her out yeah magma has never had a problem with killing when it's when it's justified when she feels it's justified right so um i believe it's corsi corsi uh basically uh lasso's sunspot and uses him as um you know and, and just uh, uh, uh sends him flying um, you know, with the with the lasso, and it looks like Friedlander, the demon Friedlander, take uh, puts a bear hug on Bobby and tries to uh, drain him of his life force. Yeah, draining his powers, his life. Uh, but uh, Wolvesbane comes to, to to his aid. Um, as I mentioned, the uh, the the rest of the new mutants are engaging with uh, these demons, but unfortunately, the demon bear. Uh, seeks to uh, create more demons and basically tries to possess magma. Uh, we get to the point where um, magic is basically the only person who's been able to lay any sort of effective attack against the demon bear. She is, of course, magic. She has her soul sword and she takes her soul sword and drives it right into the demon that had become uh the, the the demon that had uh had basically in, uh overtaken um magma sam aka cannonball doesn't exactly understand what's going on and thinks that mag that magic has turned on the team and turned and and shown her true colors just so that she could join up with her own kind i love it sam so ignorant so and also it's <laughs> worth noting because i've um this has probably been this has pretty much been established well before now, but um, and and I know this happened a couple of issues back in eighteen, but Iyana I- just loves calling Sam dummy. Oh, 
Um, also worth noting real quick that um, I know we said that the, there was another team member, uh, uh, Karma, but she somewhere between the, the uh, Demon Bear, was somewhere between the graphic novel and uh, going into, but well before this, she had left the team for some reason. Okay. Not sure why, cause uh, I don't remember reading it, but anyway. Right. So, uh, so Magic's uh, Soul Armor makes another appearance as she takes, you know, as as she tries to uh, cope with being uh, whacked by a cannonball, and uh, Magma is uh, takes it, you know, uh, takes offense at what um, Cannonball does. She has uh, she has recovered from her possession uh, by the Demon Bear thanks to Magic's intervention. Um, we have this weird uh, grid that shows up that every time it starts to get more filled up, that means the demon bear has uh, created a, a greater foothold on Earth. I think that's how it was explained. I think that's right. And the demon bear is apparently very, very close to, um, to uh, you know, to, to succeeding in its plans. Um, they, they actually, you know, Magic, as I said earlier, she is the one best equipped to deal with this. So she asks uh, Rain again to try to reach out to um, to reach out to uh, Danny Moonstar to, to figure out what to do. Um, as Rain tries to start this, uh, the Demon Bear takes a whack at the uh, ensorcelled emergency uh, operating room and that takes a hit out of um, out of Magic. So uh, the New Mutants kind of redouble their efforts, reuse some of their teamwork to take it to the, uh, the demon forms of uh, Corsi and Friedlander. Uh, but, um, but ultimately, it's left to uh, Magic to take out... Um, does she take out both of them? It looks like she takes out Corsi, uh, having him revert to human form. But it looks like uh, that's, you know, and, and uh, Rain discovers that, uh, you know, the key is her soul sword and uh, they need to get magic up to uh, the demon bear to have her use her soul sword. So, you know, the new mutants essentially lay cover fire for her while Cannonball takes magic up high to get to the demon bear to take the sword and uh, use it to, uh, to take out the demon bear. And the demon bear howls, but it turns out that it uh, that it basically disintegrates and, and dissolves into the form of two people. We find ourselves back in the Westchester County Medical Center that uh, that they had started from. Um, we find the bodies of. Uh, Officer Corsi and Nurse Friedlander laying on the floor, and we get some not necessarily politically correct terminology used by Rain Sinclair here. Yeah. Um, they aren't demons anymore, but they've not returned to their true selves. They're still red Indians. Oy. So, yes, this is seems. Timely. So, yeah, so this is basically when I think we discussed this before the show. Where Corsi ends up turning into, uh, well, he could have—I don't know. I mean, it's possible he could have been Indian already, but I don't I think. 
I think what they do is they they further and and I you know I have to I have to admit that I had to uh, read the Wikipedia on this right. guy because this is a character that does show up. Um, these two characters actually show up in in later issues of New Mutants and Uncanny X Men. Right. Both both Sharon Friedlander and Tom Corsi. So they are not, you know, one time wonder, you know, uh, one hit wonders. Right. You know, in fact, in our on our very own show, uh, Tom Corsi showed up when we were doing the Mutant Massacre. This right. is I where this that came earlier. up. Yeah. He was the character that was with that was um, that was guarding the, uh, the 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 Morlock tunnels that were closest to the Xavier uh, Mansion. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, we were like, "Who's this guy with guns guarding the Morlock tunnels?" It's Tom Corsi. Yeah. So you gotta love it. You gotta love it. So what we find out um, these two figures that uh, that basically emerged when the Demon Bear was defeated by. Uh, Magic's soul sword is that uh, you know we find that these two folks are asking after uh, Danny Moonstar, and we find out that uh, uh, that they are William Lone Star and his wife Peg. Their daughter is Danielle Moonstar. Mm-hmm. Um, Gotta we, love it. And we also find out yes, they and they indeed, Corsi and Friedlander were indeed their bodies were reshaped according to this. Uh, their bodies were reshaped before they were possessed. You drove out their denomin- uh, natures, but that didn't affect the original enchantment. So basically, they have been actually turned Indian. Correct. 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 So um, the doctors break it to. Uh, Danny's parents that uh, she is going to live but Danny's going to be totally paralyzed and the new mutants are shook by this particular news but Professor Xavier finally pops in and figures out everything that's happened by scanning all of their memories of course and we we flash to and and, and he's taking steps to remedy the situation gotta love it and so as the caption reads, a while later, um, we find Danny Moonstar slowly waking up from the, coma, the medically induced coma that she's in. And she's waking up next to the Morlock healer who says that, uh, you know, that all her pain will soon pass and that his task is complete. And the next person we see is Storm, the Wind Rider. Morlock Storm, by the way. Yes. Yes. That, well, it is timely. Because uh, at this point, she has been, she's recently become the leader of the Morlocks mm-hmm. and known as the Wind Rider. And so the fealty of the, of, the, um, of the Morlock healer and his services are hers by right. I love it when they talk like that. And I believe, so, was she, she didn't become powerless. Well, actually, she probably was powerless at this point, right? Maybe I gotta check the time. I gotta check to see where this falls in the timeline. Right. So, uh, so crazily enough, the uh, Danny's parents are here, and she, you know, she discovers what happened to them. Basically, that they made up the, uh, they were transformed into the demon bear that she fought uh, because it was because they had become enslaved by the sacred symbol of courage and integrity. Um. Yeah, it, it, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. So, 
and there's a there's a reference here at the end saying that um hold on there's a reference here saying that that uh, professor xavier is not exactly thrilled with uh what um what Danny's father is saying, even though they're basically like blood brothers, and she he thinks that he needs to alert Doctor Strange uh, because it's a threat best handled by a ma- by the master of the mystic arts. I love it. Continuity, people. <laughs> Continuity. So, um, uh, what you call it? They're trying to figure out uh, if there's a way to help out Officer Corsi and uh, Nurse Friedlander, but uh, you know th- it's not going to happen. They, you know she can't help, but um, well that magic can't help. And Professor X is saying that magic basically saved the day, and um, you know that is the you know he's proud of everybody. And we leave that we end this issue with. Uh, you know, like a decently high note, and uh, in the next issue, we're going to get the reappearance of Warlock. So, you know, for people who are reading along with us, feel free to keep going. Yeah, and also, I, I you know what, I need to find this out. Also, worth noting that, assuming that it does transpire the way it does, I think this will be Warlock before Cipher comes into the picture. I don't know. I, I need to let's, let's find this out, shall we? AKA Doug Ramsey. Oh, I know. Yeah. No, I'm, t- I'm telling other sort of folks that may or may not know. Or uh, let's see. First appearance: New Mutant Thirteen. Okay, so he has been introduced before this, but he just wasn't around. Right. He may not be uh, uh, a field member of the team. Maybe. Right. So, but yeah, this, I, I can tell you that, you know, in, in, I, I guess we can kind of get to our thoughts on the series. I like this as a movie, you know, it definitely plays off like a horror story. Yes. So you can see, definitely yeah. see that bend in it. Right. It, you definitely see where they can draw, you know, those particular elements of the story from. So I definitely see how that um, that would go along. It's, I guess it's conducive to uh, a feature film where you don't necessarily have to go into everybody's origin story. You can just do a very quick overview of how everyone gets there. Right. Like at this point. Yeah. Cause if I remember that, I should go back and watch that trailer again. Cause it's basically like, it felt like they were meeting in, they were basically meeting in whatever the hospital is. And it's some sort of like support group. Right. Yeah. There was. It was. It was. It was implied that they were all patients. Right. So there is that. But yeah, I like that. I. It's you know this was both of these actually the the the, 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 um, the OGN and this like were you know fairly good stories. Like the OGN obviously you know it's set up for them to get their ongoing um, the next year. And thereby launching into this, where you know uh, Claremont's still doing his thing uh, going forward, and you know putting his his uh, bits that may or may not be taken care of. <laughs> right. Well, this is the first spinoff of the X Men. Right. 
And also, but, but this is the, but this is the one that, that at least from the beginning of the New Mutants did actually have a payoff on because he did introduce them. actually in the first intro in the, in the first issue of New Mutants, uh, the, the Demon Bear was mentioned, and also um, the fact that uh, Professor Xavier had a son, who do we who we know is presented. So, so that also got introduced in that, but obviously that has nothing to do with Demon Bear, but still. Right, right, right. So it's, you know, like in, in terms, you know, I enjoyed this, you know, like, like you mentioned, or uh, you've mentioned a few times, uh, you know, it'd be nice to, to kind of do feature bits like this, um, you know, uh, even after pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and given, I hate to say this, given recent events, who knows if lockdown goes back into, you know, goes back into effect for comic book stores and, you know, they have to readjust their publication schedule. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it, it, it was nice to kind of read this. Obviously, we have the benefit, uh, you know, Marvel Unlimited is not a sponsor, but it's definitely a tool that we use to help our, 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 our show along when, when um, you know, when we're, we're uh, in search of uh, this kind of evergreen content. So um, I definitely had not read all of these issues all the way through this carefully either ever or for a long time right i i read the original graphic novel at some point i honestly may have read it standing up in a comic book store you know like loitering yeah <laughs> yeah because i know, remember I seeing i remember seeing like no. right I, I remember seeing captain marvels and i remember seeing this one at some point and i was like huh those these are these are different from the, the single issue joints let me check them you know maybe pop one checking out but yeah i don't remember actually fully reading any of them either one of them right Sure, I did not read it uh, in the time that it was published. I, I definitely read it. I was probably like late junior high school, early high school, going to a comic book store and just loitering and just, you know, standing in the aisle and just, you know, picking it up off the shelf and reading it. Mm-hmm. So that's my, you know, it, it all seemed familiar to me, but uh, it definitely felt good to be able to read it all the way through. And the Demon Bear storyline had always stood out as one of those um, storylines that people always talk about. And I definitely enjoyed reading it and looking at Sienkiewicz's art, which is so crazy. I had seen some of it on Moon Knight, but it's so just, it's wild, especially, you know, given the fact that there's a lot of, you know, um, uh, you know, just magic and and and, and just uh, you know, like we were jokingly referring referring to it as psychedelic. Um, there's a lot of that aspect to it, uh, and uh, you know, it's it's definitely a, a a shot in the arm to this book. You know, not everyone's a fan of that style, though. Right. You know, definitely a step away from. You know, it's a different direction from the kind of traditional superhero art that had occupied this book. You know, from Bob McCloud to Sal Buscema, I believe that 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 those are the two main story artists for this book from its inception up right. until issue 17. And issue 18 is Sienkiewicz's first issue, the start of the Demon Bear saga. Mm-hmm. So 18. 18, right? No, no, I'm saying, but through 17. Right. Through seven, right. Through 17, it was kind of standard superhero art. And with 18... Uh, and Sienkiewicz's uh, debut on the book, that's when things change. Mm-hmm. 
It's pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah, honestly, I think first, the first issue I ever bought of Sinkiewicz's run was the Cloak and Dagger issue that comes a few issues later. Right. So, part of me is like, um, I kind of want to go through this run again, or, or I, I kind of want to just go through this run because, like I said, right. I was. I, was, hey, I don't know about again. I, I'd never read a lot of this stuff. Well, I say again for the parts that I have read, obviously, and that was the parts that, um, you know, Mutant Massacre stuff, all of the, basically the, um, the, like the early stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, actually, because Mutant Massacre doesn't happen until, like, after this. Like, uh, uh, oh, no, I was going to say Mutant Massacre doesn't happen until. Oh, wow. We're talking this. several, several issues That's what after I'm saying. this. Yeah, so it's it's a while before we get to before we get to that. But and there was only of the first volume of New Mutants, it was only hundred like a hundred issues because at the end of it it goes into X Force. But um but yeah, there's part of me was like, I kinda might wanna read through this. And I almost actually did, just like I was telling the agency every day before the show, like I almost actually read the first eighteen just to kind of see what other other beats probably got, you know, introduced or picked up. Right you know, in the run up to Demon Bear, because something because that is the thing that tends to happen, especially like during these times. Uh, right. We don't get to follow the mutants until issue forty six, mm-hmm. forty five, forty six. So you know we are still several years away from that. So we still have to run into Secret Wars two. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's a lot of stuff that happens before we get to where you know parts of the parts of uh, the stories that I had kind of come up with, and I don't even remember reading. I, re- I only read parts of the Fall of the Mutant stuff because I remember the the granny and the, the no, I mean the um, the nanny and orphan maker. Right. Oh no, yeah. See, that's what, that was around that time. That was when I was like, okay, hey, it's another mutant event, and I th- and I was kind of off and on reading X Men and you know by proxy. Um, mm-hmm. I know it definitely started because I think yeah, X Factor had definitely started by that time because it was after. Um, after a mutant massacre, and I had already started reading X Factor around that time, so I was definitely reading X Factor. So I was kind of reading, you know, X Men, uh, you know, here and there, and like I said, by proxy, New Mutants because of the um, because of the events, right? But there are pretty much like the early stuff that I don't remember because, like, even reading this, I was like, wait, there was a time when Cipher actually wasn't around or Shan wasn't around. Right, you know, and I know I do know that Amara kind of came and came and went every at times, you know. But even that, it's like okay, yeah. Right, you know what's funny is that when I was when I finally started taking a look at uh, the New Mutants, it was right before Inferno. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like when I took a kind of a second, like a closer look at them, and the art had changed a lot, but Weezy Simonson was writing it. And you know she incorporated it into uh, follow up uh, into um, uh, uh, what you call it into Inferno, mm-hmm. and uh, you know and Inferno was a big big crossover and good so, yeah. So you know and there, there was one of the really big you know like uh, multi part crossovers, but then very soon after that is um, Liefeld. It's very interesting. Like it's not that much further after that. Yeah, because like yeah, because like I said, they, they didn't have a well. They have a big run than most big books get nowadays. But a hundred issues, you know, at the time where books were going on for years at this point, right? What was was a more real? Was a, a more of a thing that happened? You know, right? It's 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 wild when you think about how quickly 
you know, the, 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 the you know, the creative teams kind of turned mm-hmm. these because I'm looking at it and, you know, like I said, we benefit from being able to look at it, you know, kind of, kind of scroll through the issues thanks to Marvel Unlimited. Like, wow, look at where the, 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 you know, the, the creative direction of the book went. Yep. That's crazy. You know, and it's really not that, you know, and, and, and if you think about it, you know, it's, it's roughly 12 or 13 issues a year. Right. Right. So, so you kind of have to keep that in mind too, you know, like when you're looking at like, you know, chunks of a book and how, how long certain runs go and how, how much rope a creative team is given mm-hmm. when, uh, when it's, when, you know, when it's a uh, task to tell a story. So it's like I said, it's, it's amazing to see like where my, my connection to the new mutants kind of went in and out. And then all of a sudden we get life out. Yeah. You know, it's like issue number. We get a Liefeld cover with issue number eighty-five. I think I own this one because it's, because it's Acts of Vengeance. Mm. Yeah, and then just two, and then like two, like one issue later is Cable's first appearance. On mm. yeah, yeah. When when so for those that don't know, when Liefeld came on to New Mutants, that was the beginning of the start of X Force. Because we get right. Cable's first entrance later on. We get well, actually near the end. Uh, of the New Mutants run, we start to see X Force basically happen because Deadpool comes in, Domino comes in, and that's like the last few issues of the book. But before right. that, Dave Cable comes in, and he's basically the one that is, you know, taking over teaching the or, or training the New Mutants. And then one by one, they end up leaving, or whatever happens to them. Right for this new for this new team to come in, and then it was like, well, we're gonna change the book, and then X Force, boom. It's amazing! It's mm-hmm. amazing. Because I think Bobby might have been the last one. If not, Bobby or Wolfman was like the, the last one. Because even on was it like ninety seven, ninety eight? You see the cover of Bobby leaving. Ninety nine. Ninety nine. Yeah. Okay, so he might have been the last one. Ninety eight was the appearance of Deadpool. Right. So. There you go. And it's like, so the book stopped being New Mutants, so which means, you know, as soon as 100 hit or whatever, the last, yeah, 100 was the last issue. So as soon as 100 mm-hmm. hit, that's when it was like, okay, well, we're not New Mutants anymore. X-Force. Right, because that was right It was right after Extinction Agenda. Mm-hmm. You know, because X-Force number one and X-Men number one are basically hot on each other's heels. So. Yep. All right. So that being the case, um, let's see. I guess clips of the week if you got them. Uh, I mean, obviously, the, the graphic novel is a, is a self-contained story, so we kind of can't, you know, I guess either right. add that I, or whatever. <laughs> honestly, I think I'm going to go with New Mutants number 19. Hmm. Because I think that one, you know, that one really develops the story. I think 20 is, is just so psychedelically wacky. Mm-hmm. But I think 19 really develops the story inside the hospital and how they're, you know, the what the, the new mutants are trying to do to protect Danny while she's under the knife and what what's happening around them. That's where I think the claustrophobia is the strongest, mm-hmm. you know, as they're through the halls, as they're trying to protect the generator room. And then you get that crazy splash page at the end where the demon bear is like, what? You know, um, you know, it's got like his hands in the air, like you don't care, and he's exactly. got the 
it's source old operating room and nurse Friedlander and officer Corsi, you know, uh, under, under cap, you know, in, in captive bonds. It's pretty crazy. Right. I think nine is the one for me. I can dig it. I can dig it. I, and now I'm sitting here thinking, of like, you know, if I ever uh, get back to going to cons and, and meeting up with Senior Vision and be like, yo, could you do, a, uh, if he doesn't already have one, any available, like, could you do that splash? Uh, uh, that joint with the demon bear? <laughs> like, with the, with, the, with the hands up and whatnot? Like, uh, right. I wonder, I mean, I've gotten nice. stuff signed by Sienkiewicz before. Um... He's actually really cool. Mm. Uh, I don't remember if he had prints, though. But uh, prints are uh, not commonplace, I'll be honest. Mm. Not everyone puts, you know, puts the money into pro- uh, producing prints or at least a lot of different prints. Because I'll tell you that uh, you know, as we wrap up this week's show, I'll tell you that my first experience with an artist, like a classic artist, that had like a bunch of prints on the table was with Michael Golden. He was the artist behind that 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 old school Marvel poster where mm-hmm. everyone where like uh, everyone was kind of moving left to right. Yeah. And he did a lot of G.I. Joe stuff and he did um you know, I bought a lot of the G.I. Joe stuff, you know, classic, classic G.I. Joe covers. And the second artist that I saw that had classic artist that had a bunch of prints was Mike Zek. Um, honestly, I can't remember what Sienkiewicz had on his table, but he's definitely a cool guy. Definitely a cool guy. So I'm looking I'm, I'm looking um, to see if Sienkiewicz has an art book, and apparently he may have had one. I don't know if he actually still has one, but it took mm-hmm. me to his page. Uh, and of course, the second image that you see uh, on his page is the demon bear, and actually, this would totally be another print that I would totally do. This, it would be the demon bear with uh, insertled eyes. I'm gonna put that up for the folks in the uh, or on the folks on the video. And it basically is like, yeah, it says uh, the mighty demon bear. This terrific creature is one of uh, Bill Sinkovich's most uh, iconic creations. And it very much is. Oh, pronounce, pronounce his name the right way on his, on his front page. It's Bill Sinkevich. Wait. What is well, oh, yeah. Are you at the very top? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And this is not the first time I've actually seen that. Yeah, because I don't. Doesn't he do it on his Twitter also? Yep, that's correct. The Mighty Demon Bear. Look at that. So. But he also has an what? art book. Uh, right, but that's a, that's a dope looking Batman, too. But. Yeah. Um, that so yeah. is crazy. So yeah, but yeah, you can you can check out, but you can check out his his um, you can check out his. Oh wow, his his new mutant sketchbook is sold out. See, there we go. That's kind of what I was looking. Yeah, so I was kind of looking for something like that. And so let me go over to collections and see new mutants. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, only, I was about to say, if you see him at a car, at a con, he'll he'll probably sign this. If not for free for like a, a reasonable price i hope right if so. yeah assuming you can find these issues wait he did excalibur i don't remember that one. Oh, marvel comics presents never mind okay i was about to right. say i was gonna say 
maybe he did the in the interior art or maybe he just did the cover on that not sure yeah not sure i forgot he did that uncanny x-men annual number six where storm um is almost turned into a vampire or turned into a vampire mm-hmm. oh wow which i think was before this because i'm if i'm not mistaken in yeah. 160 is 160 161 storm's talking about that because you're correct because that was like right before that issue you are correct. See, this issue, New Means number 23, the Cloak and Dagger issue, I own this issue. I know I have this issue because uh, I remember buying it because I was like, oh, the cover is so cool. Mm-hmm. Crazy stuff, man. Crazy stuff. I was about to say, if we're going to, if, if any of us are going to make a play on these new, the Demon Bay issues, the, the time to get it is now before the movie's released. Pretty much. There you go. He's got signed copy, seventy-five bucks for his signed copy of, uh, which is sold out. But right, well, yeah, that, that's it's his stock, right? That's his stock. So right. if you can get a copy of eighteen, nineteen, and twenty, and hopefully, hopefully, in the near future, you know, we're able to go back to cons and we can get stuff signed again. Wow, Demon Bear variant cover plate three thousand. Where's that? That's on page the two. Page, yeah. And then there's his uh, his uh, art book, which is 750, or his artifact edition of his, I guess, some his art book, uh, Mutants and Moonlights. And then there's a bunch of pages. Variant cover plate. Wow, look at that. I mean, that's not even the the, the, the most uh, expensive thing on this page, but. <laughs> oh yeah, original art. Mm-hmm. Five G's. Oh yeah, like the two down at the bottom for nine. Nine. Right, these aren't. Even, I was about to say these aren't even splash pages. You got to look for the splash pages. The splash pages are the ones that are gonna be. Oh my gosh! Two page spread. Nine yeah. G's from New Mutants number twenty seven from mm. of the Eiffel Tower. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but anyway, um, we digress. Let me put this back on us. So yeah, yeah. Here we here we are shopping with money we don't have. Yeah, basically. So I think for myself, real quick, I think I was I'm thinking 18 because 19 is great and for everything for all the reasons you've said, I kind of like 18 because it's like all right, it felt like this was probably if you read coming in going into this, this was kind of built up on enough to where it's like okay, you got to know what what's going on here and. You know, you get whole Danny's whole uh, inner monologue, and up until the end, where unfortunately she gets uh, mortally wounded or near mortally wounded. You know, that's a bad thing, but it just sets this up so nicely. But it also is kind of a bummer because it's like, okay, they set all this up, but she's not even the one to pretty much save the day. Um, but you know, it, it worked out the way it worked out, and you know. It basically, um, this was a thread, a thread that went on since the OGN that got resolved to a point. Mm-hmm. So, and it all kind of, kind of started out in eighteen. So there you go. Gotcha. Um, so you're eighteen minus nineteen. Yes. And with that, uh, we're coming good to the end of this here show. You got one more ad read in you. Yes, our last ad read is to ask you to keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit cspn.us, then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. 
purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Marvel Legends figures that I'm still waiting for a week and a half later. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment. It helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. Boop. I should put the sound effects with those, but I'm not going to do that. It'd be crazy. Anyway, folks, that is the end of our show for this week. Uh, thank each and every one of you for coming by. Um, I'm hoping we get another chance to do this again. Um, cause yeah, like I've, I've, like I said, I, I've been enjoying doing these when we hit the, um, we had the chance to, but comics should be starting back up uh, enough unless things change to where we may, we're probably getting back into the swing of new releases. And I think next week is definitely going to be a new release recent. And we do still have stuff on the table for just in case something does kind of revert back and we can still do come on. So we, so we still have a few more of these topics and, and arcs and stuff to bring up should they end up being the case. Right. Uh, uh, be advised that, you know, um, we do have uh, a general idea of the publication schedule coming up over the next several weeks. Yes. But in the event things change or in the event that uh, the publication schedule, you know, basically puts out if if between the two of us, there's maybe less than five books that we'd be reading. We might, you know, we might, uh, you know, we might switch up gears and 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 pick an event that as roddy cat said we do have a good list of uh, of events to go over we'll just have to kind of you know keep our eyes on the release schedule moving forward just so that we'll see uh you know what we're going to uh, cover but um right you know, and any it'll probably be dc if we if, since we're we've been going back and forth unless there's something else that pops up you know exactly 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 so we'll see how we'll see how that goes um you know, uh, we are uh, we were actually already started. A lot of people already started the because uh, to, today's uh, Friday. We're we're finishing rec- our recording uh, in the early a.m. of Friday, July third. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are off, myself included. So um, Hamilton you know, has DC Plus. The uh, Disney. Yeah, Plus. I was about to say wait, you 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 jumped the you jumped the shark. <laughs> Sorry. Right? You, you, Sorry. You, you, you preempted me. What I was going to say is a lot of people started their 4th of July uh, weekend. What I was going to say is please stay safe. Please, if you can, stay indoors or, you know, don't don't uh, violate social distancing rules. Absolutely. Wear a mask that covers your nose and mouth. Yes. And enjoy the film premiere of the musical – Written by Lin Manuel Miranda. What I'm referring to is Hamilton on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. It'll be out later today, July 3rd. Enjoy it all this weekend. Get those songs stuck in your head. <laughs> Do a virtual watch party or a watch party at home with your family or whoever's at home with you. Do not go out of your house to watch this with somebody else. It's not necessary. 
ask them for their Disney Plus login. I was about to say, no, there, yeah, there are definitely many, many ways to do this without having to do this. You can get on, hop on Discord. You can do probably, there's probably a Chrome uh, extension for Disney Plus at this point. Who even knows? But there are many ways to do this with, with people that you don't have to go to their house and, and risk uh, COVID or to them or yourself. Exactly. So, you know, just stay safe. Have a safe and happy Fourth of July weekend. Yeah. If we you will celebrate. see you. Yes, we will see you next week. Don't eat too many Nathan's hot dogs. I'll have a few. Oh, not, you know, not enough to win the contest, of course. But of course. Uh, I'm kind of bucking for pizza at this point. But I don't know. We'll see. But with that, um, so. This has been the Comic Book Chronicles. Uh, my name has been Rodicat. You can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. This, uh, also, Newsnet's Need on Twitter. Um, also, Newsnet's Need Reddit. Also, re- where you can apparently, well, you could have seen me get called a lefty schmuck by some person that I think I might actually know because I've actually posted news that probably offended their fragile sensibilities when some certain folks of a certain race are going full and crazy left and right. Um, but yes, you can follow me at those places. You can also find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. Maybe we'll get him a YouTube page or a, a Vine account, not a Vine account, or a, a Vine account and do some stuff, stuff like that. But until then, go check out his Instagram stuff and, and his Twitter. <laughs> uh, PC underscore dirt on Twitter, uh, pop culture net on Twitter, pop culture network.com, and all those umbrella sites they're in, and also on said bite, um, fine replacement under comic reviews, no vowels. Uh, the Osiris Citizen Ish, Tim, D O G G 98 on Twitter, CB Cron, which is the uh, Comic Book Resources Twitter account. Go say, hey, say, hey, y'all are doing a great job. You know, appreciate you. Send us questions, comments, concerns there. You know, hopefully the concerns are good ones. I don't know. But CB Cron, that's that. Uh, the Click Nation on Twitter, theclicknation.com. That's D K L I Q N A T I O N. And of course, he is over on the Comic Book Resources where he's over there writing his face off. And I hate to move your face off, so I, I don't know why I keep going along with that one, but whatever. It's, it's, it's appropriate. You can find this here podcast. Face Off is a bad move. Do not watch Face Off. Watch The Killer if you're going to watch a John Woo movie, period. Uh, a Better Tomorrow, also a good movie. Come on, people. You can do better than Face Off. Very much can. Uh, not even Nicolas Cage's best, but I digress. Anyway, uh, you can find this here podcast, your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, uh, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. You can find us recording this here podcast um, every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. on the Click Nation's uh, YouTube account, where you can also, if you don't want to catch us live or you can't catch us live, uh, the obviously the audio will be out a day or two later on the Coastal Podcast Network and elsewhere. We we need to get better about um, um, you know, putting that out there. And with that, folks, this has been Comic Book Chronicles. Thank you very much. Be safe. Like like Agent Seven said, Happy Fourth of July. Peace. Peace. One. We're not throwing away our shot.
I love it when a plan comes together. 